Welcome to Easy Days Podcast, Lockdown Quarantine Edition, where we will be speaking from the safety of our homes to avoid any personal contact with the homo sapiens of any kind. Today we had my friend Adrian all the way from Ecuador to tell us exactly what's going on down there and to share many other interesting stories with Yachty Boy and myself from the safety of his own home in Ecuador. Ecuador, please welcome to the show, Adrian. All good, Neil? Yeah, buddy, we're rolling. This is episode nine. This is lockdown edition, my friend. Yeah, man, we're in quarantine over here. Yeah, we're in lockdown mode, which is uh, it's unfortunate, but we're doing what we can to stay safe. I mean, a, a podcast is probably the best possible method of communicating during a lockdown, so it's okay. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think uh, we were supposed to do a podcast, you and me, Adrian, uh, back when this all first started, so we figured what better time than nay. Yeah, I mean, I'm the first, I'm the first uh, video guest, right? Yeah, buddy. Like, like long distance guest. Yeah, you're the That's first awesome. uh, guest on the lockdown edition. Hell yeah, you man! Changed, you just changed the game. Fuck yeah! It only took nine episodes, and you guys just shifted things real, real quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you've been sitting at How home. How you been, man? What's up? How you been? I've been good, actually. I've uh, things were really fucking hectic here for a while. <laughs> I had a. I had two friends who were here from from Vancouver, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. man, it was a it was an experience trying to get them back home. So, oh yeah, we had the, we had this plan since November. They were like, "Yeah, we're coming to Ecuador. We got a full month with you guys." Mm-hmm. They had a bunch of trips planned. I mean, Neil, you've been here, so they did the 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 broad spectrum of things, or they had planned the broad spectrum in terms of, "Yeah, we arrive." I showed them around Quito for a few days, mm-hmm. um, like went up hiking on one of the volcanoes. Then they went to Galapagos. Oh. And then after that, we were planning on hitting up a bunch of different spots. Uh, and then they were also planning on doing, uh, I think, like four or five days in the Amazon. Yep. But man, when they were in Galapagos, shit just hit the fan. And <laughs> when, when they were there, the Ecuadorian government was basically put out a... a uh, an alert that was saying like we're gonna close down all the um, uh, like Air- flights and stuff like that, international travel and things. Yeah. We're gonna put a quarantine starting on. It was last week on Tuesday. Um, I think it was like the 16th or the 17th. Yeah. But my friends were in Galapagos, and the internet connection there is garbage. I, I mean, bet. it's the Galapagos, so there's not really fiber optic or anything like that. But they managed to get in touch with their airline and reschedule flights for Tuesday, the Tuesday that the that the new rules were going to go in, in, into effect. Mm-hmm. And what happened is Sunday night or Monday morning, I guess, at 2 a.m., the airline contacts them via email and says, oh, yeah, we've canceled all of our flights leaving from Ecuador completely. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. So on Monday, we took them into Quito and we're scrambling trying to find them anything just any fucking airline that would that would provide something so we went to united which was the airline that they that they originally were with 
don't ever use United. It's it's a trash airline, <laughs> and their customer service is just terrible. Yeah. So we went to United. We went to their office, and they just provided no solutions. You know, and I was getting really angry, and I started getting angry at them in Spanish too. Good for you. Which is like a really wonderful point to get to, where I can just like yell at someone in Spanish without yeah. swearing or anything. <laughs> it's like I'm being really fucking straight with you right now. Like, give us something, help us in some way. Yeah. United was just no help at all. Basically, they said, "Oh yeah, we got nothing until April." What? So we're thinking, shit. Like, what do we do? So we went to the Canadian embassy. Even less helpful. The Canadian embassy basically said, "You have to get in touch with your airline. Otherwise." Find a place to stay and stay safe. Yeah. And in my mind, I think you're just fucking abandoning your citizens in another country. <laughs> yeah, so what the hell? What the hell is this? You know. So we're super pissed at the Canadian embassy, uh, and they met some other people there that were in the same boat. Basically, I'm trying to get back to Canada, but you guys are not helping me at all. Yeah. So we went to another airline because all of this is in the same part of Quito. Yep. And. We went to Avianca, which is a Colombian airline, and they were incredibly helpful. The lady that was there, uh, Sandra, shout out to Sandra. She's, a, <laughs> she's an amazing lady. She hooked us up with a flight for Tuesday at 5 a.m. through El Salvador and oh, then wow. to San Francisco. And San Francisco, my buddy's sister lives there. So he was like, okay, if you even end up in San Francisco, better than nothing, right? Yep. Yeah. I can stay with my sister, and at the very least, I'm in a country that I speak the language. I'm close-ish to home. Monday night, the president of El Salvador tweets out, Donald Trump style, yeah, I'm closing all international flights in and out of El Salvador because the Mexican president sent coronavirus to our country. Uh-uh. <laughs> Just straight up, just this fucking craziness. And me and my friends are just sitting there like, I don't know what the hell we do. So we went to the airport anyways, just in case. But we get there. I had to leave them. I was like, if you guys need anything, you know how to get back to my place. Just call me, whatever. And their 5 a.m. flight got canceled. But they managed to group together just this conglomeration of of stranded people who are trying to get back to the States or Canada or wherever. And all of them kind of grouped together. They went to the Avianca uh, desk, were in touch with all the um, customer service, and managed to get a flight from Quito to Bogota in Colombia to New York for 10 a.m. on Tuesday. Holy Moses. And once they, they managed to get through, finally... They got to Bogota, then they got to uh, New York, but they don't know anybody in New York. And when they got there, they had to figure out a way to get from New York to Vancouver. Yeah. So that wasn't even the end of it. It's like, you know, they, they managed to find an airline that had flights from New York to Vancouver, but that flight got canceled too. <laughs> and then they managed to get another one that had a layover in Minnesota. And that was finally like the flight that sticked. And they got on it, they stopped in Minnesota, and then they landed in Vancouver. And this was fucking two full days of traveling and being in airports and on the phone with airlines and barely sleeping and countless morning beers. And yeah, he calls me up as soon as he got home. He's like, man, you're the first person I called after my parents, but like we made it, we're all good. And now they're back in Vancouver. Are these the, but... these the friends that 
are carrying the t-shirt that I bought off you and they're supposed, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. They're they supposed to bring it, it yeah. back. Oh man. Yeah, man. They got it with them. They that got shirt. Their, they has... got your t-shirt and they got Cam's t-shirt as well. And that... I left some little goodies in there for you. Guys, oh, nice. So. Yeah. That t-shirt's seen some things, eh? <laughs> yeah, man. And that t-shirt's in self-quarantine right now. So <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll see it whenever I see it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's bro. been all the way Just to like New York spray, city. Spray it down a little bit with Lysol, but you know, it's all good. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Are they, uh, are they in quarantine now then? Yeah, so they're back in Vancouver and they're in self isolation. Rules Canada, but wow. yeah, man, that was that was the situation. Is just trying to like every possible hurdle we managed to to overcome, but it was constant shit happening all the time. But they managed to get back, which is good, and just in time too, because Quito and and Ecuador basically shut down uh, last week. So the government was like mandatory quarantine. Everyone stay in their house unless you work in uh, an essential uh, sector, medical or um, certain aspects of the government, things like that. Grocery stores as well. But everyone else, it's like you're stuck in home, and these are like the days that you can leave based on on the number, uh, the final number of your of your national ID. So for us, it's not like we can even go out any fucking day we want. It's like, no, we're stuck here unless we have to head out and get groceries or whatever. Is, yeah. is Ecuador, um, are they seeing as many cases down there as they are up here? Dude, I think more. Ecuador, I was just talking to Natalia, my wife, this yep. morning, and I think it like shot up to over a thousand recently. Interesting. So Ecuador, Ecuador is one of the highest in South America, if not the highest at this point. Wow. So I mean, like the, the, the quarantine is useful in a situation like that. Yeah. Um, but man, every time I've gone out for groceries, I've always seen people walking on the streets without masks, nothing. So I'm just kind of uh-huh. looking at them, thinking, "What the hell is going through your head?" I understand people get cooped up and they want to go outside and everything. Yeah. But still. Okay, we were just talking about, Kavan and I were just talking about how I got a reservation to go camping in Tofino on Friday. Yeah. And I don't know what, because they're still open, but they're not giving returns because I haven't, I haven't canceled, I haven't canceled uh, soon enough. I need seven days cancellation notice. And now I'm wondering, too late. I mean, I'm wondering if leaving the house is, am I going to get in trouble for leaving the house and going camping? Because we're not really in contact with anybody. But what's the situation right now in Victoria? I'd say about people are, people are on lockdown here too, man. Yeah. Like even uh, yesterday, uh, I was out. Yesterday was my last day of like, you know, I'm in heavy quarantine now. Yeah. <laughs> I yesterday was, like, was your last day of freedom. Yeah, it was my last day of freedom, and I was playing basketball. I posted a clip of me dunking on the rim. You know, nice. I felt pretty good about it. <laughs> it's a nice way to go out, man. <laughs> if shit just goes south, then it's like, yo, man, at least I got that dunk. Yeah, yeah. But I got, like, a lot of, uh, you know, you know, I don't know what the word I would call it, but people were like... Ridicule? Yeah, ridicule. People were like, man, mm-hmm. you're outside right now. You know? Yeah. It's a lot of social judgment. Yes. Yeah. Which I know it's coming from a good place, you know, mm-hmm. because of the situation. So I was telling I was telling Neil, I was like, man, it's a tough spot to be in for him, like, you know, because it's only getting worse by the hour, man. Like Yeah. You know, like you're hearing more news about it each each hour, man, and 
it's tough it's tough call yeah and i mean neil are you still working or what's no. happening with your job so today is well it's monday and i'm sitting at home so we called boss man called it off for the week because yeah. he doesn't want to get in any trouble and he doesn't want anybody to get sick but yeah. for the most part we kept working for so long because it's a low it's a low risk job you know we're all outside there's only like five of us that work there right now and yeah. we're not really in close contact but i mean we are sharing tools and we're sharing you know we're in each other's space from time to time right but, is it a residential project yeah or... yeah because i was talking to my brother actually and he's he does a sheet metal so he's got a sheet metal company up in Cowichan. oh yeah 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 and I was asking him about this because you and I were talking and I was like, yeah, my friend's working. He's doing uh, carpentry and stuff like that. And he's like, is it a commercial or residential project? And I said residential. And he's like, yeah, it makes sense. Because any residential project, essentially what has to happen is the project reaches a certain percentage of completion before the, the uh, whatever, the construction company or the person in charge of everything gets paid. Uh-huh. and is then able to distribute those payments amongst the workers. Uh-huh. So my brother was thinking, like, fuck coronavirus. That pro- that guy's probably just like, we need to get to a certain part of this construction and have that complete so that I can receive the money in order to pay everyone, and then we're fine for a while. You know what I mean? Maybe. Yeah, maybe that's it. It seems yeah. – uh, because he doesn't even know. I, I was on the EI website last night looking into getting some payments. But that's the thing. I could be working again next week. Yeah, because he didn't he didn't tell you specifically you're laid off. He just says he yeah, yeah. I mean, I could I just gotta ax him today. I've been uh, I've been uh, laid off officially. Yeah, I, I work in the restaurant, and yeah, they passed like this. Um, the government passed this rule or that to say that uh, restaurants are not allowed to have dining, like the people come in and dine. Mm-hmm. You're only allowed to do takeout. Yeah. So the, the hotel where I work, they're only doing in-room dining. So they're sending food to the rooms and takeout yeah. boxes and stuff like that. It's not, it's like they cannot serve stuff on plates and, and cutlery and things that they're going to keep in the restaurant. They can't have people at tables fucking sneezing on the furniture and stuff like that. Too close quarters, even in the kitchen. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's true in the kitchen too. Yeah. It's like people working on those surfaces, people working with food. They, they gave me the option, Dave, like, if you wanted to have some shifts, you can take shifts, but if you want, you know, you, you can choose to be laid off, and I I chose to be laid off, man, because I don't think it's worth my health, man. No. No. To it, you know, so I, and plus, if you take that option, then you're automatically eligible for, for EI, but yeah. it's just a matter of getting through the craziness of the system right now, I imagine. Yeah, okay. I didn't. I didn't feel. Um, I didn't feel safe from when I was here, man. You know, when we work with, you know, in the business where you're exposed to customers coming in, you know. So. Yeah. Like, why not? You know. It's difficult, man. And there's so many surfaces. It's just like kitchens. There's just so many surfaces. It's like you got knives, you got color, you got plates, you got counters, yeah. everything. It's like even if one employee comes in and, and is sick. Mm-hmm. And just forgets to wash their hands and starts touching shit. Yeah, yeah game over, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah, it's no, risky. I mean, for me, like, tattooing is just immediately, like, out of the question. Yeah, it's a bit too close. Yeah, you know? You're out of the game right now, too, eh? 
Yeah, dude, of course, of course. Because the, the government, first of all, they, they closed down all non-essential businesses. But then even on top of that, it's for me, it's not comfortable. It's, I'm in direct contact with people's bodies and there's like a really high chance of just like bodily fluids getting out there you know even if i tattoo with a mask on or something like that there's a chance that something might get into my eye or so who knows did the government know? did the government force you to close down or did you take that action before they even i took that action before before yeah. they before they made that that call because for me it's like right out of the gate just knowing the risk level of tattooing to begin with yeah for me i didn't feel comfortable at all mm -hmm. allowing people to get tattooed or or do tattoos for me is just like no right now it's so easy to just transfer something from one person to another and there's once again it's like there's so many uh so many surfaces where where some virus could could land there and linger um and just in terms of my experience with tattooing, even if you give people like a warning and tell them these are the are the temporary rules of, of this establishment right now, you know, like don't come here for a tattoo if you feel unwell, even just in the slightest, if you have a cold. Yeah. People still fucking show up and they bring their friends too. It's like, people are, uh, they, they don't care, man. No, no, they really don't. And so for me, it just felt more comfortable to say, you know, I'm gonna close the shop for now, and we'll just see the situation and, and see how it how it advances, and then make a judgment call later on. But so, like for for you, like as a business owner, you know, what kind of conversation do you have? Like, because we work for people, you know, and we have the option to get unemployment insurance. So, like for you, yeah, how does that work? Like, do you get anything? Being no, no. I mean, first of all, it's not like Canada or anything. Oh, it's where, different, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like Ecuador. Yeah. The government is already has a certain degree of corruption. Some of it a little more well known, and some of it obviously more well hidden. But things like uh, insurance and and retirement funds and things like that, all of that has been so manipulated over the past in this country. That, that there's no guarantee if you're a small business that government will compensate you or sort of leeway in a situation like this. I don't even know how it is in terms of, of employees um, if, people, if people receive compensation because it's not like there's sort of like a social piggy bank here the same way that there is in a country like Canada. Yeah. And so when there's no social piggy bank that exists, what the hell do the people get paid with, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, so for me as a small business owner, it's like, no, I just had to close my doors and I don't get anything. You know, I just, I just fucking lose out. It's really shitty. But yeah. It is a tough that's thing. Third, that's third world living, man. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you forget, man, when you're a kid and you think it's, yeah. you forget like places like that don't have that benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a strange time, and certainly none of us have ever experienced anything like this in our lifetime, or even like our parents' lifetime. No, man. Never seen anything like this, man. No. I, yeah, not even like my grandparents. Oh, so yeah. My, gran my grandparents were all born in like the late 20s, early 30s, and nothing like this has ever existed outside of like oh, yeah. For a world war within their lifetimes. For about 100 years, everything has been good and dandy. You haven't had to worry about things like that for almost 100 years. And, like, yeah. 
they like, were... I remember SARS. We were we were young. We were back in middle school, maybe when that happened. Yeah. That I don't remember it being nearly crazy. That was before history. social media, really. Exactly, exactly. But I remember people um, recommending, like my parents say, "Oh, uh, we we might have to cancel a trip or something like this because they're 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 restricting um, air travel and all that kind of stuff." Yeah. But not nearly to this degree. It's like no, we kept going to school, we kept doing things, people kept working at their jobs, no problem. Nobody, but nothing was shut shut down like this. No. No. Like no. They, they probably had like a, a foreseeable future when things could get better. Like this. Exactly. One. Exactly. This one, they don't have a clue. No. It's like, oh, when's the vaccine coming? Maybe in like a year, year and a half. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> I guess this one is more contagious. It must. Well, I mean, it must obviously be more contagious. But also, the hype of it has been blown out of proportion because of social media. I think that's another reason why. It seems yeah. like such a big deal is because yeah. everyone can literally wake up in the morning, look at their phone, and then they see something about it. And that's all they're seeing right now. Right. And obviously that instills a, a certain level of anxiety in everybody, yeah. right? Yes. Because you're more connected to everything that's happening. And the the I guess the thing it's it's this weird double edged sword yeah. where on one side you are informed to a degree that you've never been able to be informed before. Which is good in a way. Which is really good, but then there's also a huge portion of people and a huge amount of the information that is causing a lot of people to be highly misinformed. So they're absorbing information that might not necessarily be true, right? Yeah, so it's like it's like the most it's like the most misinformed generation on the existence of this planet. Where everybody's absorbing information, but you have to actually do your due diligence in order to figure out is this true or is this not. Do a little bit of double uh, double checking, reference some other stuff. Oh, this guy on this podcast said this. This article says this. So what the fuck do I do? And you sort of have to make a judgment call based on all of that. But then when it comes down to something as simple as, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe any individual who gets the majority of their information from Twitter or from Instagram or from memes and stuff like that, it that that's way easier to absorb a huge quantity of really ill-informed people. <laughs> yeah, it's just a huge quantity of ill-informed, ill-informed images and ill-informed tweets and, and posts and things like that. So if you see a meme that says like, "Oh, this is such and such percentage," oh, wash your hands for this amount of time. You actually need to do your part and be like, okay, I'm going to go find out. And if there's a doctor that says, yeah, I have to wash my hands for 20 seconds, then that's actually something that I can realistically believe. It's, and you know, it's now is, it's like a wake up call. Cause before now is a better time than ever to like get involved with community because we, if you, before people were staring at their phones constantly. And I mean, obviously mm-hmm. they, they still are cause they got nothing else to do. They're all sitting at home staring at their phones. <laughs> Which is a people are charging their phones up three times a day now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah well, I was actually I was actually reading a couple of articles about how uh, the European Union had to get in touch get in uh, touch with different uh, streaming platforms like Netflix, Disney Plus, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, in order to cap the quality of streaming at standard as opposed to high definition lest the fucking um, European Union's internet connectivity crashes. <laughs> that's very so possible. 
Yeah, exactly. Because there's the, the amount of people that are in their homes, uh, consuming more electricity, consuming more internet bandwidth, consuming more data on their phone, uh, using more water. I mean, here in Ecuador or here in Quito, at least, um, there was some some worry about whether whether the the water system would actually be able to handle the influx of people that are staying at their homes all day. No kidding. Showering more, washing more, doing more dishes because they're cooking at home, washing all their laundry because they have the fucking time to do so. Yeah. yeah. And there's all these limits that are being reached, I think, beyond the fact that, that people just have to understand that, like, as human beings and as social creatures, we're also understanding our limits of, of what it means to have distance from everybody else. Yeah. And therefore, what are the limits of like my mental capacity to stay sane amidst all of this craziness? You have that on top of it. <laughs> and like, I know sitting at home all day and using up all this internet and bandwidth. It's just it, it, think about if there was an earthquake or something actually bad happened, and everybody tried to call somebody at the exact same time, and the whole system would crash. Exactly. If everybody. Exactly. I remember the... when I lived in Berlin. There's uh, the German equivalent of Labor Day, yeah, which is on May first every year. Mm-hmm. There were parts of Berlin where there was such a dense accumulation of people partying because everybody's partying, everyone's drinking in the streets, everyone's just just losing their minds and yeah. dancing and listening to music and everything. And there's concerts and DJs all over the street. Every single year the cell phone system would crash really would be barely just like eking eking by barely able to function because there's just such a dense accumulation of people all trying to call their friends send messages where are you i'm here come find me and 99 percent of the time it would be impossible to find the person that you're looking for because your phone just would not work wow yeah and so everyone just kind of got used to this and they started to sort of make uh make a game plan before they went out, be like, okay, we're going to meet here at this specific place at this specific time. Uh-huh. We're going to be there for half an hour. And if, if somebody doesn't show up within that half an hour, we're out, you know, have a good, have a good mayday <laughs> yeah. basically because the phone system just can't handle that, that amount of, of, of usage in one single place. It's like, know? and so now we're going to have to get used to the fact that internet's probably going to slow down. The cell phone companies are going to have to have to, figure out how to handle all of this all of this data that's flowing through mm-hmm. can you imagine if the data crashes or the internet service crashes man people go fucking insane <laughs> yeah yeah they yeah, would. man they would it's like the people that are just like not into reading or they don't have other ways of entertaining themselves that don't involve a screen or, or a movie or something like that these services like cell phones and even like the grocery store we take for granted man like think about all these services they're so great and they've been around for so long but they're so fragile you know exactly exactly like, these grocery stores it's an amazing it's almost like an ecosystem with itself the fact that they, you can just go to the store and buy anything you want is such a fragile yeah. such a fragile thing yeah but people don't even realize that these things that we take so for granted so often in our daily lives it's like these haven't existed for very long no. You know, cell phones as we know it have been around for for 20 years. 
and they could because go before, off before. Yeah, exactly. And and that could just crash, and then you're fucked. You know. Yeah. Grocery stores, as as a concept, the same thing, has only been around since the fifties. Like now, you, now you realize how important just a grocery clerk is. Exactly. What exactly. If, what if they go on strike and be like, I don't want to be here during this time. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, like people probably never think of a grocery clerk important as a nurse. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But, Until right, now. But, that, but that at this point, it's like when when a government says, "What are the essential sectors in our economy?" Yeah. It's fucking hospitals and 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 medical care. And food supply and grocery stores. I think you know, so. this whole thing is a uh, people are realizing that yeah, these services are so fickle and they could, they're not going to be around forever essentially. Yeah, and even even if it comes down to it, how incapable are people of surviving without these these services, right? <sighs> Probably. So very if, we didn't, if we didn't have a grocery store, how would the majority of people be able to get their food? Would they even know where to look? Or, or how to go about finding an alternative source? That's do the... they live in a do they live in a city that's even close to farms where you could go and, and potentially like meet a farmer? But even right now, it's like you're on quarantine, so you can't leave and and go look for Joe Schmo farmer who's growing all the stuff that you need. And yeah. who knows if he even grows anything beyond corn or whatever he's keeping right. it for himself right his family yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> joe schmoe is just like putting stockpiles of corn in the in the silo <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's, it's crazy to think like we're so reliant on these things that we we take for granted that they just become these sort of invisible systems that that dictate our everyday lives and we just we just gloss over it because it's so so normal i think that although the stores may be empty now that was just a reaction to the the hysteria that had happened and people frantically went and bought everything but i think now as the stores are stocked up and they they get back on a proper schedule mm-hmm. i think things are going to balance out it's going to take a while but that yeah, in- I mean, here it only took a week. It was uh, last week when that, that uh, no, maybe like a week and a half ago, um, the government put out some, some, this notice that they were going to, that they were going to put these restrictions in place and international travel and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And people just freaked the fuck out. And, and I've learned very quickly that Ecuador, Ecuadorians do not deal with panic very well. <laughs> <laughs> they panic. They're the most like, fucking exaggerated people when it comes to any situation that that gives you the sense that okay we're on like the verge of something bad happening and people just overreact to the nth degree and went to the grocery store and we just happened to run into my 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 in-laws there in the parking lot and they're like don't even bother going up you know he sent me he, he like showed his videos on his phone and he's like this is the this is the state of things there's not a single shopping cart free Every single till has a lineup of eight to ten people, and people are literally just going on the shelves and just scooping shit in like savages, you know. And they're like, panicking. Can you can you just not not be like this, you know? Man, I'm and telling I you. Went, I went I went there on Saturday this past Saturday, and and things were fine, you know. It's like they were getting stocked up on everything again. Obviously, yeah. there are certain things that are a bit lower in terms of meat and and eggs and and that kind of stuff. 
Right. But all in all, it's like they recovered super quick. But that first day, we just went to the grocery store just by chance. We're like, yeah, we should probably stock up on some stuff. We went there and, and it's like, no, man, it's fucking chaos out there. Don't even bother. <laughs> um, I think it was like two weeks ago when I when I like got the sense of urgency, like, you know, stock up. I went to Walmart and it was like, man, Walmart like, was going through the aisles. It was like a tornado went through the shelves. Like, wow, oh, yeah. ripped everything empty. I got some stuff and we went to like check out. I had to wait in the line for like an hour. <laughs> That's how it's bad. insanity, man. Yeah, but like I don't understand why people reach this like panic level. It's kind of it's kind of like this ingrained uh, mode within the human brain of fight or flight. Yeah. And it's like, okay, fucking pandemic. What do we do? I'm just gonna fight against every other person that lives in my immediate area. I'm gonna go to that grocery store and I'm just gonna scoop <laughs> shit into my shopping cart. Yeah. I'm gonna like rip open boxes because whatever and. Just, like, <laughs> You know, take all the toilet paper. Just do exactly what you're not supposed to do. Exactly. It's like maintain calm and be respectful to the, to the people around you, especially to the old people, the elderly people that do not have the means to get to the grocery store and rush and do things like that. And then yeah. they arrive. And it's like you said, they just arrive in this aftermath of a tornado. Yeah. And what are they, what are they able to get? You know? They get scraps because everyone else is just stormed through. <laughs> well, let me tell you, the exact same thing has happened down here, and the people have they yeah they jacked up the shelves, and the old people are yeah they're literally standing there like what the fuck am I supposed to do? Exactly. They actually opened the stores an hour early for seniors only now. Yeah, that's good. They need to do that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, otherwise, how how exactly do those those people who are the most vulnerable? You know, out of out of every age group, you yep. know, it's like the the percentage of of elderly people who who have the possibility of dying from coronavirus if they catch it. It's like fifteen, almost fifteen percent for people over eighty. Yes, it go it goes down below ten percent for people over seventy, and then it substantially drops every decade that you that you lower in in age. So but these you, are the these are the people that are getting shunned by society because they can't move as fast. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to the podcast with Joe Rogan and uh, that scientist, hey? Yeah, yeah. And he's given out some numbers that kind of make you feel a bit better, like, oh, we're healthy, we got big lung capacities, you know, we'll we'll survive, right? Yeah. But yeah. the the problem is, we have to avoid the old people. Exactly. It's not necessarily like um, it's not all about you know, saving ourselves. We're, it's not necessarily like we're going to get sick, but we can become carriers, right? Yes. And, and so that's something else that they've been saying about children is that children are almost unaffected. Whoever, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the the way that they're displaying symptoms is very, very low compared to other age groups, which is really good. Oh yeah. But kids are little germ factories, right. and they're carriers, and they can pass that on to grandma. They can pass it on to whoever so easily, and it doesn't necessarily matter that that we are healthy. You know, mm-hmm. if we catch it, we catch it. We can probably stay at home and survive, right? Of course. But if we're coming into contact with someone else, not even just an elderly person, someone who's immunocompromised, someone who has diabetes, someone who has a heart condition, anything like that cancer patients all that kind of stuff yeah 
It doesn't matter if you feel fine. You could just as easily pass it on to someone who, who dies because of your stupidity. Because, yeah, odds are we will survive it easily. If anything, he said it's ten times worse than the flu, which does yeah. sound pretty terrible. Don't get me wrong. It seems like he was concerned about like the, them closing the schools. Yeah? Well, this, like we said before, the children and young people ba are barely affected. Like, literally. Yeah, but they're germ factories, and they just pass that on. So exactly. Easy. So you have to shut the schools. That's the first thing you have to do because kids – they don't feel the symptoms at all, and they're the yeah. ones going home and giving it to mom and dad and grandma. Yeah, but also also at school, it's like you got pickup time <clears throat> oh, at the end man. of the day. You know, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock rolls around. All the parents arrive in their cars. They all congregate. They all pass it amongst each other. Yeah. This one's kid passes it on to the parent. The parent passes it on to somebody else. It's like this game of – it's like the shittiest game of hot potato that's ever existed in human human existence right no kidding it's like just because just because you feel okay you could very easily just pass it on to somebody else and the way that the incubation period is working in terms of how long it takes for someone to show symptoms you have no idea if you're passing it on because you could be in like day six or something and you're still not showing symptoms you could be on day 15 and still not showing anything yeah and still be infectious <laughs> well that scientist Michael Holsterman or whatever his name was, he yeah. said the best thing, the single best thing you can do is just stay in good shape, man. Like, mm -hmm. and um, eat well, do a bit of exercise if you can. You and know. another eat. thing he said was to take probiotics. Yeah. To yeah. Uh, uh, increase the good bacteria in your stomachs, because if your body's constantly sifting through different bacteria, that's going to help your immune system altogether. That's true. Yeah, it's like that in combination with a healthy diet, sleep, and a lot of water. Sleep. Like, most people should be okay. That's the thing, yeah. yeah. What are you guys doing in terms of trying to stay healthy in these times? Um, well, I mean, for me, it's it's. Well, my wife is pregnant, so so I've just been avoiding contacts Hola. because I'm not really sure how. Is she did. Right? Yeah, yeah. So we're in the same house. Okay. Yeah. You're in quarantine against her or something. No, 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 no. I mean, it's like if something happens to me, we're living in the same house, so we just kind of ride it out together, you know? But yeah. I've been really careful about, like, contact with other people in order to make sure that she's okay. Mm -hmm. um, so we were kind of already in, like, mild quarantine before things even happened because just trying to make sure that she's okay, just trying to make sure that she's, like, well-fed and everything like that, sleeping as much as she can. Um, but in terms of everything, like it essentially just comes down to, yeah, sleeping as much as we can, having a good sleep, having regular sleep hours. So it's not erratic and all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, just kind of like building up a good sort of, uh, gut biome, dude, you gotta get like, like a consistent consistency in terms of the circadian rhythms of the body. Okay. Um, eating like a good breakfast, eating a good lunch, eating a little snack at night. Um, and then all the food that we're, we're eating, it's like home cooked. So just having like a nice variety of stuff, lots of veggies, lots of like a mix of meats and everything like that. And then lots of water. And then on top of that, we're lucky that we've just sort of built up a little like at home gym over the last little while. Beautiful. So, so we've got like yoga mats, we've got, uh, like an aerobics ball, we got, uh, free weights and, um, an elliptical machine. So yeah, so I'll just, 
like I'll do like one day of stretching and like a bit of yoga or something like that. Another day of, of uh, elliptical and then another day of sort of like weights and, and uh, Pilates and sort of um, uh, what's the word sort of these like calisthenics. Yeah, but like these these like uh, these like power workouts, you know. Yeah, of course. It's like that's the best yeah. thing you can do is just to like breathe. Really, just keep your mm-hmm. lung keep your lungs healthy because that the coronavirus seems to affect your breathing of anything. So, people who smoke are they are in a lot of trouble. Yeah, exactly. People, yeah, you smoke a lot yeah. of cigarettes. You're in a lot I of trouble. A, I got a buddy in Berlin who's like asking what he's been doing. He's like, oh, I bought a bunch of weed and I've been playing video games. And I'm like. Yeah, good on you, but like, it's good and all. <laughs> Don't smoke much. too much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But here, too, like, we're also really lucky that we have a little backyard. Um, okay, nice. So, at the very least, we have, like, a little space where we can – there's grass, so you can just kind of, like, pace back and forth and brood. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> brood. Um, yeah, just, like, get a little bit of sunlight every once in a while, get a bit of fresh air. And then we have a little garden on the side, so every once in a while, just, like, pop in there, pick some weeds – yeah um, pick some veggies and stuff like that so it's been good in that sense yeah i yeah. mean i've just been working out and i've been running i've been running because we got this giant the giant lake right next door so i'm running around there keeping my distance from people but getting that fresh air man mm-hmm. is it even safe to be outside though like it's, it's, apparently it's in the air now or whatever i mean no i mean in terms of the air it, it's it's not like it lingers in any given space mm-hmm. unless someone is directly there and they're just like expelling okay. particles in front of you. So if someone sneezes yeah. right in front of your face, it's like, yeah, you're 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 fucked. Good luck. Yeah, if you're sharing, <laughs> but, if you're sharing the air. Yeah. Um, but in terms of just like general airborne kind of, uh, probably safe. Though. Yeah, like the. Directly. Yeah, the amount of the amount of time that it stays in the air is is pretty negligible, and also that's why they have those those distance rules because even if someone sneezes and you're a certain amount of feet away, yeah, you're good. Just from gravity, it's like the the sneeze and like bacteria particles reach a certain point, and then gravity just takes care of the rest and plops it onto the ground, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think running around outside is safe enough. Well, at least for the other yeah. people. Yeah, and if it really comes down to it, it's like just get like one of those like exercise like scarves or like headbands and just pop it over your face. Right. You know. Yeah, they're saying it's transferred. Yeah, through you know water vapors that can come out while you're talking, right? So you don't want to be stuck in the elevator. Exactly. You don't want to be stuck in an elevator with somebody, which is tricky because when I'm in this, we're living in the condo buildings and the hallways are narrow, man. So if you're walking down mm-hmm. the hallway. And I stopped using the elevator, but even the stairwells, man, like they're close. These quarters are close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, see and it's how... like you, you never know someone who's touching the, the door. The doorknob. The, like the door handles yep. and everything like that. Oh, man, if it got mm-hmm. into this building, it would, everybody would have it, I'm telling you. Yeah, I'm, constantly, I'm constantly washing my hands, man. Like if I leave the house, I wash my hands before I go out and I come back in. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, eating healthy like you i have a little workout station like you do mm-hmm. i was thinking of maybe like running up this hill you know that hill like right around the street where i live new you should go running i was thinking of running up the hill a couple times yeah know. just do a couple laps man yeah. yeah but just like take it slow on the way down don't burn your knees out yeah. oh yeah not that yeah. deep in the knees yeah take it yeah. slow um 
but no, I think it's like it's good. Even if you get like 20, 20 minutes, 30 minutes in a day, just yeah. pop up and down that hill a couple times just to get a good sweat going. Come back, shower, and you feel good for the rest of the day. Real man, yeah. at the very at the very least, you don't feel like I have not had a breath of fresh air for however many hours. It's really nice to just kind of stick your head outside. Mm-hmm. But one thing, one thing I haven't been doing properly is like since I haven't been working, man, I haven't been like in my regular sleep routine. Mm. I, I need to get back on that for sure. But, yeah. Because working in a restaurant where you're doing a lot of mornings where you're doing like mise en place and stuff like that. Well, I was working a lot of mornings. Like I was pretty, I was working constant mornings. I was in a set schedule at work for the most part. I was working at like 5.30 in the morning. Oh, wow. So I would get up super early. Yeah. But since I haven't been working, I've kind of been doing whatever I want, <laughs> and um, it's probably not good. You know, I should probably try to keep uh, a, like a, see- a good sleep schedule where I'm up decent time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that way, your body, at the very least, your body has sort of a regular rhythm to it. Because yeah, you know, you you're you're gonna feel at like a certain point of the day if you have a if you have a time that you're usually going to bed the body just kind of becomes accustomed to that and and you start yawning around like 9 p.m when you're when you're usually going to bed around 10 or something like that Mm -hmm. um and then when you wake up you have that sort of same energy level but when it's all over the place and your body's fluctuating and doesn't really know what's going on it's like oh one day i stayed up until 3 a.m the next day i stayed up until midnight the next day i stayed up until one it's like your body it's just shaking you, trying to figure out what the fuck <laughs> is your is your plan. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So humans are humans are kind of just creatures of habits. So the more that we form habits that that become um, disgusting habits. No, no good habits, <laughs> healthy habits, man. Habits that become. Um, less and less that require less and less uh mental energy in order to to make it happen mm-hmm. those yeah. are the kinds of habits that i mean that's that's what people who exercise a lot say i mean i'm not i'm the kind of person who i kind of have to like push myself a little bit to do exercise but some people who are just really on it every single day they say it doesn't even become something that you have to fight against it's just second nature that that i'm going to wake up and this is my routine and i'm going to do this exercise and i feel good afterwards and then i get on with my day and you sort of uh focus and prioritize yeah you focus and prioritize without having to even put any mental energy into it yeah yeah so when it comes to sleep too it's just like yeah i'm like it's about 10 o'clock gonna gonna roll around and and do my Uh, thing i'm gonna get back on my sleep game man yeah tonight tonight for sure yeah yeah this whole thing is definitely it gives you a chance to work on yourself mm-hmm. and this, this this as bad as this thing is man probably you, like a wake-up call for a lot of things in life you yeah. have to you have I mean, to use I, this time yeah i feel like this is this this is essentially i'm not gonna say this this is a very blanket statement but not necessarily in terms of like um economic stability and things like this but more so like on a social personal level i think that this virus is probably the greatest equalizer that human beings in our generation have ever experienced yes in the sense that everyone comes down to the same the same level where it's like 
oh shit, I gotta hang out in my house all the time. I can't communicate with my friends directly. I have to talk to them through Skype or FaceTime or WhatsApp or whatever. And at the end of the day, you have to like look at yourself in the mirror and think about, I have 12, 14 hours where I'm awake today and what am I gonna do with myself? You know, so everyone comes down to this level of, of, of self-evaluation yeah. where you have to look yourself in the face and say, what am I doing with my life? What's important right now? How am I using my skills? How can I better myself? What can I learn? How can I just curb the unbelievable amount of boredom that that could overwhelm me during this time? Uh, that's what, exactly what you have to do right now. Yeah. You hit it, you hit it on the nail, man. That's perfect, yeah. Right now, I've got the list of things that I've been meaning to do for the longest time. About, mm-hmm. ten, about 10 or 12 things on there just for my, my own personal hobbies and just goals I wanted to achieve. Now is the time I'm going to smash every single one on that list. Yeah, man. I've even got my quarantine checklist. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> what do you got on yeah, there? Yeah, man. I just like wrote out a bunch of stuff. Well, I want to know what you guys, what you guys are planning, but basically it's yeah. like, um, I, 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 sh- I sent it to Neil yesterday, some, some updates on, on the book that I'm writing. Oh, sweet um, book. And illustrating as well. Nice, man. So it's like an illustrated science fiction novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got like stuff on my checklist that's basically writing related, some other stuff that's uh, illustrations, um, some tattoo and, and just sort of uh, drawing related stuff that I can do in the meantime as well. So that when I eventually do get back to tattooing that I got some stuff ready. Um, and then online courses as well. Like I signed up for a bunch of online courses Really? that, yeah, stuff that I've, I've done. There's a couple of these like online platforms, um, depending on what the hell you want to learn, you know, there's a bunch that have stuff that's related to cooking or fitness or, or graphic design or, coding, writing, just anything you could think of, you know? And if you're someone who frequents YouTube like myself and at the end of every video, they always have, yeah, this video is sponsored by so-and-so. Yeah. Go to this, go to this website slash my name and you'll get a 20% discount or your first two months free or whatever. Right. Um, For these courses. So it's like, yeah, like all these websites, they just offer tons and tons of courses like, um, so what courses are you studying? Um, so right now I signed up for one that is sort of like a master class in, in Adobe, Adobe suite. Oh, so, uh, so it's like Photoshop, Illustrator and InDesign. Yep. Which are things that really help me. It's like I use Photoshop and Illustrator a lot when I'm designing uh, merch and doing like tattoo related stuff. Yep. Um, and InDesign is the kind of thing that would actually be really helpful for me, especially since I'm writing my book Yep. that when it comes down to it, that's a really good tool for doing editorial and text layout. So I can get my images in there and then I can have like really nice clean format in terms of like page numbers and, and text and all that kind of stuff. So when is your book going to be uh, ready for me to read? I have no, I have no idea, man. Okay. You still don't know. I still don't know. Uh, like, like seriously working on it. It's been, 
I would a couple say of years, a year over a year. year. Yeah, like a year more or less. Um, but this, but this. Me in there? You give me a shout out in here. What's up? Did you give me a shout out in there? <laughs> yeah, man. I can, I can name some characters after you. I think Kavan's a fucking cool name. So El Yardy Boy. <laughs> I'll just have like I'll just have like a like a fake radio station with uh, two hosts, Neil and Kavan. Yeah. No, actually, it could be a real radio station. You know I mean? Yeah, man. Shit. It's like GTA, you know, like Grand Theft Auto, where they have these radio stations with real people. Oh yeah, that was sweet. serious or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been I've been working on it for about a year, I guess. It's the but sweet. Even before that, I've had like these ideas floating around in my head. Uh, that just kind of stretches back to hell, man, a long time. When I was living in Berlin, the last year that I was there, I went to Amsterdam um, with uh, two of my friends and Natalia, my wife. But at that time, we were just dating. So we went to we went to Amsterdam for this holiday called King's Day. Yeah, and it fluctuates between King's Day or Queen's Day depending who the who the royal the royal highness is at that time. Uh, but when we went, it was King's Day, and for some reason I can't remember. I think it has something to do with the flag or like something about royal colors. But everyone wears orange, like bright orange. So everyone looks like a safety pylon, just like roaming around the streets getting drunk. Yeah, yeah. And when we were there, just the unfortunate because the weather was pretty was pretty crappy. So there were some days where it's like we were going out and partying, but we were pretty exhausted. But luckily, we had a big Airbnb uh, that was spacious enough for everyone. It even had a like an infrared sauna, which was amazing. Oh, amazing! Yeah, so like that's a damn good Airbnb. Wow. And when we were there, uh, I was just like doing a bunch of sketches, like I brought my sketchbook, and I just. I've always had a fascination with mushrooms and I just started sketching some stuff in that, that sketchbook and it just turned into these like mushroom people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's just like human bodies but with a mushroom head and, and crazy stuff like that. So it blossomed from there. That's how it all, that's kind of like the, the origin of, of everything. Um, and eventually it's just like continued on having more and more conversations with my friends and all my experiences with mushrooms as well that opened my mind up to sort of new avenues of thinking. And eventually it came down to um, talking with one of my best friends, uh, Felix, uh, who's Swedish and he's now back in Sweden studying. Um, so when I first moved to Ecuador, I guess that was kind of like my first test in, in self-isolation because I didn't know anybody and other than my wife and her family. And it was, kind of difficult to meet new people especially since i didn't speak the language at that time um how do you speak there sorry spanish no spanish okay yeah so i didn't know any spanish when i got here but i had to learn so now i'm not 100 percent fluent but i'm very very high conversational level yeah uh, but at that time it was like i had nothing to fucking do so i was just drawing i was tattooing occasionally and, and chatting with my friends and with my friend Felix, we just had more and more conversations and we'd have these sort of nostalgia trips about our times taking mushrooms together. And, and through these conversations, I just had the desire to write a book. Uh, and at that time, it was kind of like this really unintentionally arrogant idea of I'm going to write something that's kind of like based on my experiences and, and ways that we could improve humanity in the future 
um, guided by my my perspectives and experiences with mushrooms. With but psilocybin like, mushrooms. Was, yeah, exactly. Psilocybin yeah. mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. But also yeah. the joy the joy of cooking too. But you know. <laughs> so the book is like. Uh... But it's like a detect. You said it's almost like a detective novel, if you will. Yeah. So this is this is like a really really early permutation. A psychedelic mystery. No. So 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 um, it started out as as this idea of like how can I how can I impart some wisdom onto onto the world based on my experiences. Yeah. But that came from that came from a place that was. And from my perspective now, it was like a little bit arrogant to think, you know, I'm 20, at that time I was 26, that like, what have I experienced by the time that I'm 26 to feel, feel the, the, the need and the confidence to impart wisdom on other people yeah. and how they should live their lives, you know? Exactly. So that's something that I realize now, but that developed into using a, a, sort of travelogue perspective um, of a mushroom world as a framework for for imparting these these ideas and, and these perspectives that I had. Oh, wow. And so through that, I kind of ditched the idea of trying to, like, be too preachy <laughs> in a sense. And that that's essentially what you morphed, do. That eventually morphed into me really sticking with this idea of a world where where uh, these fungal humanoids exist, and what their society is like, and how they how they go about their lives, what their history is, and everything. And so I started building that together, and eventually it came to the point where I was just like, "Fuck the real world," not not completely, but just like in the context of this book, how can I use this world? to tell a fictional story that is really interesting, but at the same time imparts these lessons in the way that I love from fiction. So from um. science fiction, from fantasy, from, from fiction, um, like surrealist fiction and all this kind of stuff, there are these unnatural scenarios that, that have beautiful gleams of information and, and wisdom that you can take and be like, that actually really changed my life in the way that, two particular characters interact with each other, how a, a character develops over the course of a story. These are, these are representations of our real lives. And I, I realized that it would be way more interesting for me to have a fictional story based in this fucking wacky, like concept of, of a world of fungal humanoids. Yeah. Yeah. And but... Telling, telling a story that people could read and find really interesting, but at the same time that they could gather some, some, of my experiences through that in a way that hopefully makes them think about things, not necessarily like it's game changing, life changing type stuff, but it's at least those little, those little nuggets of, of, of phrases or, or scenes and things like that that stick with people and make you realize like, huh, I never thought about, I could, I could, I could take a different approach, a different angle to a certain situation based on what I read and based on the image that I created in my mind from those words and apply that to my real life. And hopefully it, it provides more satisfaction for me or, or, you know, helps me form a relationship or helps me tackle a certain situation to the best way possible. You know? Yeah. I think no matter what, when you're writing a book, you're kind of preaching 
and you have to find a way to capture your message in an interesting way for people to exactly you know and a lot of yeah. people have a lot of stories but they don't know how to write them down in a way that would keep people interested exactly or they don't know how to twist them in such a way where it's like this is this is like 70 percent real experiences that i've had yeah i've fabricated this layer of bullshit on top that makes it way more interesting than it otherwise would be it's like a, it's like a metaphor yeah it's like the yeah. bible Exactly, but yeah. but religion, religion is is a sort of perfect example of this. People mm -hmm. often get turned off by the package because the, the presentation is not so palatable. Right. It's like the presentation just like leaves me with this weird taste in my mouth. You know what I mean? I think. But what... if you really dig into it, and it's like you read the Old Testament as opposed to the New Testament, the Old Testament is full of fucked up craziness that is so beautiful and weird and interesting, and God is like this horrible omnipotent person that just punishes people but it's so cool if you just read it out of the context people take it too literally yeah they take it too yeah. literally exactly those exactly. stories are so old they need to be they're they're that's just kind of how people thought back then like it's doesn't yeah. it doesn't mean that was real it's just people exactly. were very imaginative this is, this is just the way that humans have communicated throughout time is fiction for us a little bit of breakage. Yeah. Oh, Adrian's cam. Adrian's getting cut off. I'm surprised the internet's working so well uh, with the three of us. And Ad Adrian all the way in South America. Yeah, no, I've noticed that when I've been trying to write my book, which is actually on the list of things I need to do while I'm on lockdown, is write a few pages of my book. But I think what Adrian's saying have about... You, have you started anything? I got a... I got a page and a half. I got a page and a half, but it's not. I don't think it's interesting enough. You know, like Adrian's got this layer of uh, fiction on top of his that makes it seem a little more interesting. But uh, I, I, that's what I need to do. I need to create like a fiction aspect to my novel that uh, sort of brings all my worldly theories together, but also shares a message. Yeah, you gotta play around with it. Yeah. It's going to take time. It's not going to happen. Oh, yeah, we're back. Oh, nice. <laughs> there, there you are. are. My internet cut out. Speaking of, speaking of, uh, the government speaking... game for you, man. Yeah, man. Uh, it's all good. I wasn't, I wasn't talking enough shit about the Ecuadorian government. <laughs> They're yeah. listening right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all good, man. Anyways, we were talking about the Bible and oh, uh, yeah. like, <laughs> history and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, speaking of controversial, controversial stuff. The Bible. But, um, the way that humans have communicated to each other, you know, through oral history and stuff like that is, right. is ways of imparting lessons. Yes. So for instance, if we had, if we had some, you know, caveman Greg who just, you know, died yeah. the year before all the elders and all the people within, within that, that community would fabricate a story around caveman Greg and how he died so that people would listen to that and they would think, Oh shit! I should avoid that berry. Maybe there's like a little song, like a catchy rhyme that goes along with it, you know? Yeah, it's a metaphor essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, if you eat that berry, you're gonna have dysentery or some shit like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that I people think... people have that 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 um, those words that that are in their head that that give them cause to to be cautious about things or to question things. 
and and religion has done this the best out of any fiction that has existed in the entire world yeah which is why the bible is like the greatest fiction ever created because it's persisted for thousands of years yeah i think has, so has altered societies and, and history and in ways that no other stories ever have you know and it's funny so, how there's there's so many different bibles more or less and they all they're all kind of like crazy unbelievable uh, stories been people different versions of the bible exactly there's oh, like the, yeah. the hebrew bible and the and the, the oh, torah yeah. king, the king james bible there's the old testament the new testament you know they're all like just the really old books and how they use the printing press in order to distribute the bible to to thousands of people who would never be able to to read it before uh, you know so it's kind of like fiction in a way has has given humans cause to to communicate on a grander grander scale yeah you know you could even say without without fiction there wouldn't be the internet because humans would have no need to find deeper and deeper ways of networking and creating communication systems between each other you know so for me to be able to tell this story and like the way that it's mutated over the years uh and now has become something that i'm actually like really invested in and really happy with is beautiful because it's taking all the things that i love from different aspects of of my life uh imparting those bits and pieces into characters into scenes and settings um you know being able to incorporate artwork and being able to express myself in that way too in order to flesh out the world more and give people a bit more substance and like visual reference for the things that they're reading about um and then just taking like my love of science fiction and cyberpunk and all these really like eclectic things and mixing that with mushrooms to the point where it's like i think that's the coolest part is the mushroom part i, I think that's <laughs> do you, yeah do you get your um inspiration from mushrooms like you know when you were in that mindset of you know writing like where do you get like inspiration because sometimes like Sometimes I need like inspiration to do certain things that mm-hmm. I love. You know what I mean? Like, you know I mean? yeah, but it kind of it kind of comes from from everything. You know, I yeah. think in terms of a general way of thinking, um, just Excuse me one having taken mushrooms, however many times I have, it's this kind of thing that becomes um, really ritualistic, and and the the experience stays in your head even after you've gone through the trip. So for me, it's kind of like these trips have been a way in order to, to sort of like reshape my frame of thinking in certain ways. So that even if I'm not on mushrooms, I can still put my head myself in the headspace as if I were on mushrooms, in which case it's a very um, self exploratory and introspective mindset where I'm digging into the depths of my brain. I'm digging into my personal history. What are my faults? What are the things that I want to improve? Um, what are these like little memories that are just hidden in the back of my mind that I can sort of pull to the forefront and in- incorporate into something? you know? And then on top of all that, it's kind of this idea of, of uh, ego death where you confront your ego, just like that, that part of your being that is that is the most um i would say self-destructive force that every individual person has yeah 
and and being able to confront the ego and be like, I know that you exist and I, I, I am aware of you. And therefore, every time that it sort of tries to reintegrate itself into my life, I do my best to acknowledge it at the very least that it exists and suppress it to the point where um, it doesn't overwhelm any one thing that I'm doing at that particular time. So with writing in particular, this is something that I've always had this little bit of fear in the back of my head that why should I be writing something like this? Who's going to read it? Who is this for? What's the point? But all these stupid questions is just my ego. All these questions is my ego trying to push itself to the forefront and take control and take the reins of the situation and be like, yeah, you know what? You're not worth it. The story is not worth being told. Nobody's going to read it. But for me, that inspiration comes just from, from telling my ego to fuck off Yeah. and, and putting down just, just like vomiting information onto the page and stories and characters that I've created that, that have meaning to me and therefore it has meaning in the world, you know? The meaning is created through the creation of these characters and these scenes and everything like that. And so for me, that's kind of the best source of, of inspiration is just telling my ego to take a back seat, piss off, let me just write and let me just make stuff. And if it sucks, it sucks. I can look at it the next day and decide whether or not it's worth it and, and edit it and sort of piece it all together in this crazy puzzle of, of, of words and pictures and everything like that. And then at the end of the day, it's, it's just the satisfaction of having created something. And that's enough to kind of like push me to do more and, and inspire me to create other things at the same time, you know? That's really good advice. To stay motivated, you basically have to do whatever you want and not think about what other people think of you. That's the problem with the social media is everybody's uh, looking at pic- – they're always all day long looking at pictures of other people and videos mm-hmm. and they, they're trying to think of – everyone's so self-centered they're like what is somebody what are they going to think of me if i do this and what are they going to think of me if i do that but you have to not worry about that and just write, tell your story exactly and, it's all it's all false representation too it's like people are going through this really rigorous like self-judgment self-judgment all the time all yes. the time but they're judging their worst selves Yep. Based on the the supposedly best versions of other people on the internet. On the internet. Yeah. Yeah. The best versions of other people seen through a very, very, very thin lens yep. of this is a single moment in this person's entire day. Maybe it's like this really beautiful photo of this model on the beach looking sexy as hell. But the moment she stops taking those photos, she's like, oh, I'm fucking tired. And I'm just like, I don't want to do this. Her gut hangs out. So it's just kind of like, it's like these, these, just these false moments perceived through the lens of filters and, and, and these social media platforms. And so people are basing themselves off of that. Yep. And it's creating this really, excuse me, it's creating this really um, unrealistic expectation within a lot of people's heads of what they should be or what they should be doing mm-hmm. or how they should look at the end of the day it's like just be happy with yourself put out the best stuff that you can do the best that you can not worry about anyone's judgment and then 
guaranteed if you put something out into the world, there's going to be a handful of people that really appreciate it and 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 thank you for for having created that particular thing. Yeah, and, and just, that should be that should be enough, you know. And even if it doesn't get to a lot of people or as many as you hope, just do it anyways, right? Do it for you. Exactly. Exactly. No matter what you do, you know, there's always going to be somebody that find fault. But as long as you're happy with what you're uh, creating, man, that's that's that should be the main goal. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. You're, you're never gonna please everybody. Yeah. Like I've done, I've done so many tattoos, for instance, where, for me personally and for my client, were incredibly satisfied with with the end product. And I can just like sit down and put my hands down at the end of that tattoo and tell them honestly, it's like that's one of the best tattoos I've ever done. Like, thank you for offering your skin to me thank you for bringing me this idea and allowing me to shape it and mold it in such a way you know thank you for sharing this experience with me Mm -hmm. and then i post that on instagram and it doesn't get nearly as many likes as some other tattoo that i've done you know but for me i've gotten to this point where it's like i don't take instagram so seriously because it's not a true judge of 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 value of um, it's a muscle you have to work out the not caring muscle like people exactly. are they fall yeah. in they fall into the social media a way of feeling treating yourself but you have yeah. to work that muscle and not care and you know like post something and walk away from it exactly exactly you can't yeah. follow it. done it's like I, I have like on my phone every notification that I get through Instagram, I don't get it on my home screen or on my lock screen. It's like, I have yeah. to actually enter into Instagram in order yeah. to see if someone has reacted to something. No, that's because a... otherwise it just fucking drives me crazy. And yeah. I'm constantly looking at my phone. And for me, what I want to be doing is like, put something out there into the world, let people let enjoy it, it. Let, it be. let it breathe, let it exist, yeah. you know, and then go on and do other things. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to be on my phone all the time being like, oh, how many likes did this get? And it's like, obviously, I'm going to pop back in every once in a while, I'll see if someone's messaged me. Yeah, if yeah. someone comments, I'll comment back. Yeah. But I don't want it to be this this like time-consuming thing that takes away from my ability to do other stuff that gives me joy and satisfaction as well. Yeah, yeah. man. There's a, there's a song that um, this Ray artist, uh, it's called Likes. You know, and he's talking about Instagram and all like, like people just doing things for likes instead of just doing it for the art for what it is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's actually a beautiful song. I should listen to it. Who's yeah, man? Send me send me that later, please. Who sings yeah, yeah. what? Who sings that one? Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's just like I've gotten to this point in my life where I really realize where priorities lie, and, and that's a beautiful way to put it, man. I'm actually gonna do that, you know, because we all get caught up into that, man. Yeah, it's super it's super difficult, but it's really distracting and to the point where it's actually detrimental to yeah. productivity, you know? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for me, it's like there's there needs to be this nice balance between between productivity and and satisfaction with the things that you're actually producing. Mm-hmm. If you're really productive to the point where you're not getting any feedback therefore no satisfaction because feedback often brings satisfaction but it can all, it can also bring some some anxiety and some self-doubt oh absolutely but yeah. but you need that feedback in order to to understand like this is how i'm either improving or or getting worse uh this is a way that i could potentially 
better my work or myself. If you don't get that feedback and you're just producing, 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 at the end of the day, you're just going to be, you know, like just, just sucking your own dick and, and, and yeah, there is a line really taking into account how other people are, are interacting with the thing that you're putting out there. It's like someone making an, making a phone and never getting any, any user feedback to the point where it's just loaded up with all kinds of shit and all kinds of stuff. And someone who's really into tech and really into phones and really wants to put the best camera and put all these apps and all this kind of stuff. And then someone sits down and uses it and be like, I don't know how this works. This doesn't function. Yeah. And then it becomes useless. Mm-hmm. So you need to have that interplay between feedback and productivity in order to have the best possible outcome. But with Instagram, it's super difficult because you need to have that feedback, but you also need to like push it aside a little bit because it's it's really it can, anxiety inducing. Oh yeah, it can uh, it can cripple you. Yeah, it's too much, man. Like last year, I went to um, I went to Japan with Natalia. Uh, I went to I went to Japan with Natalia and this was like the best trip of my life and I took three months off of social media just because you know oh yeah I got to a point where I was like hey guys like I'm I'm gonna sign off of Instagram for for the next little while I don't know how long I just said I'll see you all I'll see you all someday <laughs> basically this yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like I see you when I see you basically um and it ended up being like i took a whole month off did a bunch of drawing really felt good about myself went to japan for a month had an amazing trip or sorry i didn't go for a month i went to japan for two weeks and went to china for a week yeah and then when i got back uh, i just kept on drawing and then one day it was like i was back on i was just checking instagram just to see what like my friends were up to i'm like you know what i feel okay with with going back on and 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 posting some stuff and seeing what, what the general vibe of Instagram was because I went back on there and I had this fresh perspective and I wasn't interacting with Instagram in the way that I was before. I realized that, that a lot of the times on Instagram, you're scrolling through pop up, like scroll through pop up, like, and you're just doing this really, this, this like basic filter fish bullshit where you're just like, yeah. Oh, just looking around food, bite. Oh, looking around food, bite. And you're not really interacting with the stuff that's there. Yeah. And so when I went back on after those three months, I was going through and I was actually like really looking into detail with the tattoos or the art that somebody posted. What was the, what was the description that they put below it? Maybe just post, put, put a comment there because it's like, Hey man, your work is amazing. Like, thank you for, for putting this out into the world. Uh-huh. And at the very least, it might be like a minute or two. But it's a minute or two that gives that particular person the sort of feedback that actually gives them uh, uh, meaning. That actually gives them a sense that, oh, someone took the time to comment on this thing. Mm-hmm. And that for me is really important. Somebody appreciated it. Exactly. Because a like is a like. A like is meaningless at this point. Yeah, somebody, sometimes you know? people are giving you pity likes, man. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but when it comes down to something like uh, a comment, someone actually took the time to... You drop Pop their a, finger uh, there, type you something out. Man, you know it's real. Exactly, it. exactly. And so when someone puts a, puts a comment there and says, hey, man, your work is really cool. Thank you. You've, you've actually inspired me a little bit. Like I, I've never seen art like yours before or I never thought to draw something in that perspective or, or whatever it happens to be. That's actually something that's a bit more meaningful. 
So it took those three months of just ditching it for me to come back with a fresh set of eyes and realize like, this is how I should be interacting with this app. Yeah. Because if I don't, then it's a detriment to me as an artist and it's a detriment to the people that are actually posting incredible stuff out there and deserve either positive criticism or the kind of feedback or comments that actually improve their craft. Because otherwise there's no fucking point of this thing existing. No, this technology can truly mess you up and I think that using it properly is super important. Yeah. And that you have to think about it when you're using it. You can't just sit on it and brainlessly mm -hmm. scroll. You got to think about what you're doing when you're doing it and and like mm -hmm. you said, engage with the audience rather than standing back and just looking at it. Yeah, cuz it's, it's it's not like you do these things to your friends if they came and ask you like, "Hey man, I've been working on this for for a while. Can I get some feedback for you?" from you um and all you said to them was like yeah i like it <laughs> you know how would you feel you'd be like did you even fucking look at it did you like yeah. read the book or did you like did you like i mean neil in your case did you look at my t-shirt did you like see any flaws or any ways that i could improve in that did you listen to the podcast and and think of ways in which i could improve in terms of recording quality in terms of uh, um, mm -hmm. sort of like conversational flow, whatever the hell it may be. Yeah. If someone just came back to you and said, I like it, it's like, thank you, man. That means fucking nothing because it doesn't even give me any idea of what you really thought. 100%. And that's what yeah. I think is good about you and I, Adrian, is that we've been bouncing these ideas for a, quite a while with your art and my art. <laughs> and you know what? Well, dude, everything. It's like, honestly, like... um. Kavan, I don't know if you know, but Neil and I have known each other since we were like four years old. That's true. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah. So we went to the same preschool together yeah. uh, up in up in Duncan. And I don't know why, but it's just like Neil is one of those people where it's like he's like uh, he's like one of those weird people in your life that you always seem to be drawn back to no matter what the circumstances mm. are. And you're a very weird person. Like, don't take offense. No, to that. absolutely. I mean, yeah. Highest, highest compliment possible. Yeah, weird is good. <laughs> being, different, being different is good, man. Take that as a compliment. Of course, of course. Yeah. And it's like you're you're one of those one of those light bulbs. Like I'm a moth, and you're one of those light bulbs that mm -hmm. has persisted throughout my life. Where I just like pop away for a while, and then I come back, and I'm like, oh shit, like, let's go check out that bright thing, and it's Neil. Let's see what he's up to. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I always come back to you, and I'm always like really impressed with your i don't know just your work ethic because you're the kind of person that's never stopped experimenting you're always experimenting mm -hmm. with stuff and i feel like you and i are very similar in that regard yes and I think, I think out of, just from hearing you on, the, on this podcast right now like i i get that vibe actually just yeah from, and just from knowing neil and talking to you i haven't talked to you much you yeah know, just from like talking to you now and like knowing neil I got, I get that vibe that you guys are similar in that ways. Mm -hmm. And it's like out of everyone that I've ever known in my life, you're one of the best. I don't know if this is the correct way of using it, but like, like one of the best pivoters in I've ever known in the sense that you're like really fucking good at, at, at pivoting in life. Oh in yeah. That, in the sense that you're always willing to experiment with things. Yes. No matter what it is. You, you put a little bit of time into something and if it bears fruit, then you keep going with it, mm -hmm. whether it's a hobby or whether it's a job or whether it's anything. But you've been one of the most impressive people in the sense that you've been able to pivot from so many different things and always arrive to the challenge where 
your satisfaction comes from the ability to carry forward and achieve something, whether it's, um, you know, getting your red seal and cooking and being a chef and then pivoting to carpentry. And now you're working towards getting your red seal and carpentry, starting a podcast just for the fuck of it. Cause why not? It's your best friend. Yeah. You're going to have really cool conversations with people hundred percent. or starting with uh, screen printing just because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Oh, I really want to, I really want t-shirts. Why don't I make them myself? Most people think like I want something. How can I buy it as a finished product? Yeah. But you're one of those people who looks at something and you think, how can I make something and create a finished product that I'm satisfied with that helps me develop my personal skills, but also results in something that I can continually improve on my life, whether it's a hobby or a job or a relationship or whatever. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's always been really impressive. And that's kind of the, the, the thing that makes me like really confident in whatever I do in my life. Cause it's, you know, I only started tattooing five years ago. But before that, I did uh, music journalism, you know, and was writing for magazines and going to music festivals and concerts and interviewing musicians. And it was fucking cool. But I just got tired of that at some point. And then I learned how to pivot to something else. And I just discovered tattooing by chance. And I experimented with it and I tried it. And it was something that I really loved. Yep. And just kept going with it, you know, just rose to the challenge and just tried to, like, overcome every little hurdle that came that came, you know, and then before that, it's like I was studying fucking English literature. So it's like, look at how things come back full circle and I'm writing a book, but I'm also illustrating on skills that I developed in university, but skills that I also developed tattooing. So no, without, I... without this kind of mentality, it's like really difficult for people to appreciate the downtime of, of something like the coronavirus and where we're at right now. And being able to think like, shit, I have nothing to do because my office closed down and they're not doing remote work or whatever, or I got laid off even. How can I pivot and make the best out of the situation in order to learn a new skill, in order to better myself, in order to nurture something that I maybe always wanted to do but never gave the time to? So. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I've always been trying to do is constantly learn new things. And I think that's the most important part about all this is that you have there's people in your life that keep bouncing back like you and me. And it's because we keep learning things from each other, you mm-hmm. know, and that's exactly and that's I think it's better to learn something from somebody that you know very well, especially yeah. if they're constantly trying new endeavors, because then you have similar interests. So if I was to be interested in something, then it would be in your best interest to learn about that thing as well. Exactly. And it's like, for me, it's amazing just to be able to pass on knowledge to somebody else. You and, know? and I think that's not even, it doesn't even boil down to like, Hey, Neil, I've been using you for the last 25 years. You're my bitch. <laughs> Steal my <laughs> no, idea or something. It's like, no, it's this feedback loop where I'm giving to you. Ah, uh, yes. I mean, just coming back to this, uh, what is it? This, uh, this old episode of friends where Joey's talking about giving and receiving. Oh yes, and it's, yeah. a, it's as simple as that. It's about giving and receiving, and giving <laughs> and receiving. And if you take too much, you're a fucking vampire and piss off. You yeah, gotta give something back in order for people to feel satisfied with what they're taking from you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, creative, so, creative it's just about people. Giving and receiving, man. Yes. <laughs> man. You guys use each other as like, um, like when he, when Neil see you doing things, it probably pushes him to want to do something, like motivation. That's dope, man. 
Yeah. Yeah, and that goes to say with we're talking about where does motivation come from? Um and it yeah. should it should come from your friends and stuff. You can use I mean you should you could use social media properly and get motivation from your friends. In but a, it should not be your primary source of it, not at all. Well, no, no certainly not. But you should you, you should try and exercise that muscle and use it properly to get that get those ideas. Yeah, it should come from within as well. You know, like you gotta have the the will to wanna you know to be different and do something too. I think you should exercise that creativity muscle. I think creativity is key in yeah. in balancing you know mood and and productivity. Yeah, and I think people. I mean, this is a generalization, but just in terms of my, my experience up until this point, a lot of folks misinterpret the meaning of creativity and how creativity can be applied in so many different ways. So yeah. when someone says creativity, usually they're using it in, in reference to, oh man, like this painter, like he's so creative. Look at the stuff yeah. that he does. The movie was so creative. It's a piece of art, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't necessarily have to apply just to these things. Someone could be the most creative coder in the world and they can do amazing things with this language, this like language of, of code in order to create outcomes that people are surprised by. That's creative, you know? People can mm -hmm. be creative with cooking. People can be creative with with languages and the way that they speak to somebody else. People can be creative in all sorts of ways. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily have to be like oh, there's no way that I can be creative in the box of, of skills that I've built up over my lifetime. So if someone says like, oh, I'm just doing such and such thing, it's not really like I can't really be creative in what I do. And for me, that's just a, a, a sign that this person has a lack of inspiration and motivation. That's just an excuse. It doesn't matter what the fuck you're doing. Anything that you do, you can find the inspiration and motivation to be creative within that particular field. Yeah. And I think everybody has it in them. Yeah. But unlocking that muscle is a is a tough one for some people. They say, "Oh, I I'm not creative. I have no hobbies or skills." You know, but you do. You just have to exactly exercise. You have to it. cultivate it, man. You have to stretch that muscle. Yeah. If you don't stretch it, it just becomes a a flaccid, useless thing. Yeah. yeah. You know. Find new things, man. You know that's like you'll never know what you can be good at if you just keep yourself in one box. Exactly. 100%. And that's the, that goes back to just being able to pivot, being able to experiment. If you're comfortable with those two things and saying like, this is something I've always wanted to do, but I've kind of been stuck in this, this job that I've been doing for the last 10 years. And you're scared to make that, that, that move to something new, or you're scared to experiment in something that you've never really invested time in before, then that's just the ego telling you that you're worthless and you're not capable of doing new things. And what the fuck does it mean to be human if you cannot continuously learn and experiment and, and do new things Excuse and get better? Maybe you find something that doesn't really work for you, but you just find something else that you can try and maybe that will work better, you know? What do you, uh, what do you think it was your biggest pivot in life so far? Because like, you've, you've pivoted a few times, right? Dude, like my whole life has just been like that. <laughs> you moved to Ecuador, you know, that's a big pivot. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like, uh, I think it's probably started with just deciding to get out of, of couch and valley when I was finished with high school. That was the big, you know, I think that was just like the, the spark that, that kicked off the chain reaction of everything that's happened in my life.
Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, as much as I love all of, all of these guys, like, like, uh, like Neil and Cam and all of my friends that all live in Victoria and I'm so happy that I can go back to Victoria and, and, and be with them and hang out with them and, and catch up on their lives. But for me, it's like, I needed to get off of Vancouver Island in order to, to, at least find that initial push to get me out of my comfort zone and yeah, for sure. find something that, that, that moves me in a direction that I'm happy with. So I think that initial decision to go to, to university in Vancouver instead of Victoria was, yeah, like I said, that initial spark that started the chain reaction, you know, and from there, I wasn't living with my parents anymore. So I didn't have the, the direct reliance that, that, they're right next to me. I can just ask them if I need help with anything, you know? So people don't think that Vancouver is that far from the Island, but it's like, no, you got to get on a ferry and kind of hustle your ass just to get over, <laughs> over to Vancouver, you know? And so that, that decision to go there kind of set me off on a chain of events where I just became more and more comfortable with doing things that were seemingly uncomfortable. So from Vancouver, went to university, met a ton of amazing people that I'm still friends with. Um, ended up, uh, at, at my university, ended up meeting a girl who became my girlfriend. And after we graduated, we decided to move to Berlin together. Um, cause she, she wanted to go study in Europe and I just wanted to get out of BC. Cause it's kind of like this, this point where it's like, I get, I get tired of something and it's not really the, the type of environment that's giving me the feedback necessary for me to evolve. Yeah. Um, so luckily I have a British passport through my mom and I just told her like, I got a passport. I'll move to Europe with you. Tell me all the cities that have universities with master's programs that you'd like to attend and whichever ones accept you, you decide which city we move to. So I just like left this in her hands, wow. like, you, you know? And she ended up getting accepted into the, the university, Humboldt University in Berlin. And she was like, I want to move to Berlin. I've, I've heard amazing things. Like I have a friend who lives there. And I was like, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> and so we ended up moving there after, after working that whole summer. Um, and then in Berlin, it was just kind of like this crazy chain of events that, that constantly I was being tossed outside of my comfort zone. But I became more and more more adept at, at navigating those kinds of situations to benefit myself and the people around me, hopefully. Yeah. So it's like eventually like, uh, ended up working a bunch of odd jobs, stopped doing music journalism because I worked for this music magazine and I just got super burnt out on it. Was working odd jobs after that cafes ended up working at urban outfitters. It's like shout out to Urban Outfitters, yeah. Yeah, Urban Outfitters, that's right. <laughs> like hipster paradise, yeah. But it was at Urban Outfitters that I ended up meeting this Polish guy who invited me to his apartment after work one day and introduced me to tattooing. He's like, hey man, I just got back from, from the trip to my hometown. I got some buddies that have a tattoo shop and he just started pulling all the materials out of his backpack. And he's like, yeah, you're like, you wanna, you wanna tattoo? Like, I'm going to tattoo our friend, but, like, afterwards, if you want one or if you want to try it yourself. And I was like, fuck, yeah, I want to try it myself. You so know? you somebody? No, I tattooed myself. This little, <laughs> I've tattooed, like, the majority of these ones with my hand. Wow. Yeah. But this is my first one, this uh, this little 
What is it? Like, it's, it's hard to see on the camera, but it's like a little a little pine tree. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I just like tried it on myself, and it was super satisfying. And then went into work the next day, and all my coworkers were like, "Hey, man, nice new tattoo." And I was like, "Oh, I did it myself last night." And... <laughs> super proud and everything and then my my polish friend just told me like hey man i saw that you really enjoyed that and like um a few of our colleagues want to get tattoos like do you want to do you want to tattoo with me we can both use my machine you just have to pay me for the materials so i paid him from the for the materials and we just did these like tattoo parties where we tattoo people on couches and just like smoke weed and drink beers and and tattoo everybody you know uh, we did that. Yeah, we. Did you, have a, did you have a sense for art like before that? Or was I never, I never, I would say yes, but I never studied it formally. Well, okay. It's like Neil knows. I think like back in grade six, I drew our our grade six yearbook. Oh yeah, you did. You drew the cover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Adrian was always he always uh, was pretty good at art, especially in high school too. We were in the art room a lot, just drawing yeah. and, pa- and painting. But I was doing weird shit. Like I was painting like uh, like like I was doing like uh, waterproof acrylic on like leather shoes back in grade twelve and stuff like that. Your art style has changed definitely since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sure. you had you had a a, di- a distinct style even back then. Yeah, it was, like, really colorful back then. It was, like, cartoon. It was more of a, like, yeah, you had, like, a certain set of cartoon characters that you would draw as well as mm-hmm. images. And you do now, but they're different. They've yeah. evolved. Yeah. I think, like, now I have, like, a more identifiable style. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It definitely yeah. took some time to, to work that out. but Totally. Yeah, like, I've, I've always been drawing, so it was kind of easy for me to sort of, like, rework everything that i'd known into tattooing you had that you know? comic book um, yeah no of... dude i had two comic books what was i had it? one that was called anus oh yeah, yeah that's it anus yeah <laughs> it was just about an ass yeah who like did different things he was like a floating ass just a pair <laughs> of basically butt cheeks like a human body if you like cut the legs and the like, torso off yeah 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 was he fighting crime yeah. What's up? Was he like fighting crime or what was he do? I don't know. It was just a comic no, no, strip. No, no, no. There were like different ones. It was like Anus goes to the grocery store. Like another one where like Anus is like a detective and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, Anus. So, that was awesome, yeah. man. You should bring so there's just back. like weird shit. It would be like Anus like breaks up and like he goes through a rough re- like breakup <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> you know? And it would just be like really, it would be like really uh, graphic visual gags, you know? Oh, man. Yeah, no. That it's was like him, like him like chugging a beer and it's like... Popping a beer in his butt. <laughs> that was golden. And that, that takes a lot of work. Even back then, that was a lot of work. Oh, man. I think I still, like, my dad definitely kept those. Next time I go back, I should be like, hey, do you do you have these weird ass comics that I drew back in, like, grade seven or eight or whatever? Oh, man. I would love to read yeah. those again. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, anus but, is good. Yeah, man. So it's, it's kind of like a nice way to sort of reinvent myself through tattooing as, as an artist. And it's like... You know, now you can see, like, I'll show you guys. This is some, some tattoos that I'm working on. Sorry, this isn't very, like, appealing for for an audio podcast. But these, this is, like, a flash <laughs> sheet that I'm working on. I have, like... Yeah, fish there. Yeah, oh, so there like it is, yeah. Like skulls and, like, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. Crabs? A little crab? No? Where? That's, like, a saber-toothed tiger skull. Yeah, so this is, like, a saber-toothed skull. Oh, yeah, and then there's, like, you know, like, fish heads and mushrooms and kind of stuff like that. Oh, nice. 
Yeah. Is that um in your in your book, like your flash book or whatever you would call it, your for tattooing? Yeah. Yeah. That, so these are designs. Like I'll finish a design like this and I'll just pop it in my flash book as an available design. The flash so, book. That's it. Yeah. 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 So I, so it's really yeah. It's like really cool for me to be able to redevelop myself as an artist through the lens of tattooing. And actually, like, this sort of, like, limitations of tattooing has developed me, has helped me develop as an artist way better than any other medium I've ever worked with. Oh, wow. Yeah, because it's, like, for me, the best way to improve is to work within some kind of limitations. Yeah. Um, that's kind of why I fell in love with drawing stuff in black and white is kind of, I have the limitation of black and white. Mm-hmm. And then I have the limitations of tattooing in terms of, like, this is what works given the amount of detail in contrast to the size of the piece. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really, I'm way, way better at, at figuring out how to size something, proportion it in such a way where this is the amount of detail that I can, I can realistically get away with given the size proportions that I've given myself. And then having the limitations of black and white, it's like, how can I more effectively portray this particular thing within the limitations of, of black and white and not having any color. So how can I make something pop and have contrast in there without having color? And that, yeah, that yeah. has also helped me develop way better as an artist. I think black and white tattoos look better than colored tattoos in any way. Oh, I fucking love them, man. They're so cool. But yeah. I've gotten some really, really awesome color tattoos lately from some friends here oh, really? in Quito. Yeah. You're doing colors uh, now? No, 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 no. It's like some friends of oh. mine are, are doing really amazing stuff. Oh, I see. So I've sort of like balanced out my collection with a bit of black and white and uh-huh. a bit of color and Japanese type stuff as well. What's your, you got any new tattoos? Is that recent? You got? Yeah, man. So oh. like you can see, I don't know if you can see this like crab claw. Oh yeah. yeah there is a crab somewhere. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I see it. <laughs> there's always a crab somewhere, man. <laughs> yeah, there's and, nice, uh, nice color on that. And that same friend of mine did this like Japanese frog. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I like oh, yeah. those. And then her boyfriend did this this rose here. This one might be a bit harder to see. So like this rose here. Uh, I I could see a little a little bit, not not too good, but. I see it now, yeah. Yeah. That's good yeah. color. I like that style. Hey, what what kind of style is that? That's like a. That's that's like tra- American traditional. American it's traditional. Really beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so it's kind of been nice to like have these like set these limitations so that I can I can actually improve, you know. And I think I was doing that I, I was doing that back in high school too. Like I would just tell our art teacher, even if it was like a very structured course, mm-hmm. and I had like this is your project that you do with uh, I don't know drawing and painting or something like that. I would come to him with a with a project proposal and and just say, Hey, do you remember Mr. Aris? Yeah. Yeah. Wherever he is, man, that, that man is incredible. Yeah, good and guy. Really, I think he was like one of like the few mentors that I've had in, in education. Oh, really? And I just, came to, I just came to him. He was my art teacher in high school. Yeah. And I just came to him with proposals. And I'll be like, I know this isn't in, in the curriculum of this course, but is it cool if I do this? And I would just give him such a complete proposal of like the materials that I'm going to use more or less like a concept of what I wanted to go for mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And he's like, yeah, man, go for it. You know? So it's like, Oh, I want to start, I want to do like custom shoes for people. So I like 
bought shoes and painted them. I even got like two custom orders from from like other people at the school. That's right. Outside outside of of the shoes that I did for my course. Just based on the stuff that they saw, they're like, "What the fuck are you doing, man?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm painting shoes." And they're like, "Cool, man. I want to get my own pair of custom painted shoes." That was shoes. that was pretty sweet. Yeah. So. Harrison, yo. Wherever you are, Mr. Harrison. Mr. Oh, Ar- Mr. Harris. Mr. Harris. Mr. Harris. Mr. Harris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I went actually went back to Kelsey and I asked if like he's working there. This is a few years back. Uh huh. Uh, and I was like, yo, is Mr. Harris still working here? And they're like, oh, no, he retired like two years ago. Really? Because I, I just wanted to go and be like, hey, like, I'm a tattoo artist now, and I wanted to thank you for everything that you've done for me. But he wasn't there. So. Uh, you know what? I bet you that some other student probably thanked him for a similar thing because he, yeah. he probably helped so many kids, man. He was, Changing he was lives a great... through art, man. Oh, he, he was a great guy, yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. art's important. So. Yeah, man. So life's just full of crazy, crazy shifts and, and pivots, but you just got to roll with it and keep experimenting and keep doing the things that, that, um, make you happy, bring, yeah, make you happy, bring you satisfaction, give you some sort of like meaningful feedback. Absolutely. So yeah. when are you, are you going to come, you got any plans for a visit? I guess obviously not anytime soon. I'm thinking next year. Next cause year. Cause there's, there's something big that's happening next year. That that's true. Yeah, uh, I mean, you guys, you guys, you guys know him and her, so. Um, um oh yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Okay, yeah, we'll yeah. be okay. So if you're coming back next year, that'd be sweet. I, I, I want to. I don't know who knows about it, but they, I, I talked with them a couple months ago, and they have a sort of like broad uh, time frame for when they want to, when they want to do their thing. Yeah, this yeah. is super. I know this is super vague, but like yeah, yeah, Neil yeah. knows exactly what I'm talking about. You probably do on this show, but. Well, I, I'm not sure, but I, I kind of have an idea. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to yeah. get the Easy Days podcast logo tattooed on me. Yeah, you're going to get Easy Days tattooed? Can you tattoo that on me? Get Kavan's face on my butt? Kavan's on my ta- right butt yeah, cheek. Yeah, I'll tattoo, I'll tattoo Kavan's face on your butt and, and Neil's face on Kavan's Oh, there you go. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, man. Friendship that lives on Yeah, man. It's like the kind of friendship that you just sit on every day. And then un- underneath one butt cheek, it'll say easy, and then Kavan's butt cheek will say days. Yeah, man. I would love to do that. Because definitely, like, the next time the next time I'm in Victoria, Vancouver, um, yeah. of course, like, I, I have lots of people that are always asking, like, when's the next time you're in BC? Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, next time I'm in, I'm in BC, like, I'm going to be tattooing in Vancouver and Victoria. Yeah, all jokes um, just, aside, though, I'm going to get something out of your flash book, probably, like a mush. I want to get a mushroom tattoo. Oh, hell yeah, man. I have so many mushies. Yeah, that's what I... Do you remember when I first met you? Yeah, you yeah. Because it was like, that was the night that I, I was at Neil's basement suite. Yeah. And tattooed his reverse mermaid. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and then I, I ended up locking myself out of my house that night. And I think I, I, think I was at your house before that, Neil. And then I left. No, I don't know. I that was a long time ago. Yeah. It was a long time. Ago. It was like the middle know, of the night. It was Neil. Neil. Neil picked me up from the from the ferry that day. Oh yeah. I remember. Okay. Yeah, but that was that was like three years ago at least. Oh, at least. I was, I was fresh in Victoria around the time. Yeah, it must have been. I've been here for almost four years. Yeah. So it must have been close to that. Shit, yeah, time I flies. For walking in and you're, you know. 
Yeah, it was like <laughs> it was like so loud in that, and it was the middle of the night too. I remember because it was funny. I was like, I hope we're not being yeah, too I loud. Yeah, we were doing it like 10 p.m. or something. It was getting pretty late. Yeah. Yeah. I think we were watching something like uh, Planet Earth, or I can't remember. You had something, some some nature documentary. No, yeah, on. Planet Earth. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was something awesome. To relax you while I'm while I'm inking your leg. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, next time you come back, maybe Kavon, you get a tattoo as well. Hey, buddy, it's been a while since you had yeah, yeah. some ink. Yeah, well, yeah, I got I got one tattoo. Just the one, eh? Yeah, I'll show it to you. So. Uh... I love this tattoo. I had got it when I was 18. Like, uh, probably like. I'll show you right here. Oh, yeah, take. Yep. Screenshot. Take it off, man. Screenshot. Uh, can you see it? Get a little bit closer. Is it? Is it the face of Jesus? Jesus, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it with like the like the crown of thorns and stuff, too? Yeah, and then he has nice. like the, the blood there. They got some red <laughs> ink. That is like such a Latin American tattoo. You have no idea. <laughs> I had that. I had that artwork years before I actually got it, man. I wanted really? to get it when I was probably like sixteen. Yeah, probably like sixteen, and I went to my mom. I was like, I need. I want to get this tattoo, but I need you to sign off on it. And she like, yeah, really laughed at me and like, are you asking me if I was smoking drugs? <laughs> like, there's no way I'm signing off on this. <laughs> so. I think when I when I when I turned eighteen and I came to Canada is when I is when I got it, you know. And I went to this like tattoo shop. These guys they won a bunch of awards, and yeah, I told them, man, yeah, hook me up, and they did. <laughs> it was, that's uh, like, that's how it goes, man. It's like very few parents are willing to sign off on a tattoo for their kids. Yeah, I've had a couple oh, yeah. like in my in my history of tattooing. I've had a few where it's like my rule of thumb is basically like if your child is I'll never tattoo anyone under 16. Right. But if your child is six, if your child is 16, 17, and you come with them for a consultation, I get to meet the the, the, the client as well as the parents, yeah. and then they have to be present during the tattoo. So at the very least, it's kind of like you're a bit more involved as a family in something that is that is that is legitimately like life changing, you know? Yeah, it's probably not as strict. Is it strict there with stuff like that? Hell no, man. Hell no. Tattoo everyone? No. Yeah. no. It's like, it's like, oh, yeah, you're fucking like 14, 15. Yeah. If it brings a paycheck, people are going to forego any sort of morality. Oh, yeah. And it's the, same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing where I was. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was only because the guy who was doing the tattoo, he wanted to have a clear conscience, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To deal with parents. I'm sure you could have gone down the road and found somebody else to give it to you. Yeah, 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 man, but usually those are the sketchier tattoo artists, and yeah. they usually do sketchier tattoos, so... Oh, 100%. Yeah, so it's a bit tricky in that sense. Yeah. Right. That's, that's my one and only tattoo um, when I was 18, and now I'm the same age as you guys. Shit. Uh, <laughs> man, you... I got, I got my first one when I was 18. My first two when I was 18, like six months apart, and then I got another one when I was 19. And then... I didn't get any more tattoos until I went to Berlin when I was 20. How old was I? I think I was like 22. Oh, yeah. And now I have like 65 or something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll get another one from anyone else other than Adrian. Eh, 
I don't really like family, family tattoos, man. Yeah, like it always comes. It always comes with a discount and love, you know. Unless I have another friend who wants to give me one, but otherwise, I'm not going to go to this random at like a tattoo shop and you know, because eh. yeah. Yeah. Tattoos do you have now? Me, I don't know, like five. What? Five or six, and they've all all but one are done by Adrian. Wow. Yeah, the shark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's one that I didn't get that I. It was like when I was a young and I was like, impulse tattoo, got to get one of those. Yeah, because you did that when you were in Australia or when you got back from yeah, Australia. Yeah, right, right when I got back. Yeah. And I had a yeah, bunch. Yeah, because I've done, I've done for you, I've done a surfboard, a chef knife, palm tree with a snake. Three, four, um, one, what two, else? three. Uh, the, the reverse mermaid. So I've done four for you. Yeah, you done the four. The fifth one was the shark. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah. Have, you, uh, have you done any face tattoos? Oh, good question. I have before, but I've been like super, super strict about that. Yeah, because people who usually come with the idea of I want to get a tattoo on my face is something stupid. Oh, uh, really? And when it comes to when it comes to tattooing and, and just in life in general, I've learned that it's much better to be honest. And I'm very forthcoming with people, but like if I don't think it's a good idea, I'll tell them straight up. Yeah. And if they react well, then then cool. If they want to change the idea, cool. But sometimes people don't react that well, and they're like, oh, then I don't want to do it with you. And then I'm like, yeah, then that's just like. That's the the river of the universe is pulling us apart, and that's totally cool with me. Like, good luck. <laughs> you could you could easily say yes and take your money, but you actually yeah yeah. But you're cared to another deeper level where you're like, yeah, man, that doesn't make sense to do that, you know? So exactly. And for me, tattooing is something super super personal. Where yeah. for me, it's not just like I'm giving you a tattoo. No, it's a it's an interpersonal exchange where I'm putting in my mind. A piece of my soul onto your skin. It's it's art for you, man. It's not just something yeah. you just give out like that. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like I don't want my art being carried around by someone that I thought was an asshole. Yeah, man. So when I don't get along with people or I get a bad vibe from them, I just tell them straight up, I don't think I'm the right artist for you. Yeah. Um, you know, and I wish you the best of luck in 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 your journey, and I hope you find the tattoo artist that can do it for you. But no. And that, that's just as simple as it gets, you know? Because for me, if I put my art on somebody, it's like we have a very intense exchange, you know? I'm like up in your business for, for a long period of time, you know, often near people's genitals, often near people's <laughs> like armpits, like people are sweating. It's like I'm tattooing your fucking feet and you didn't shower. It's like wow, all this really them. intense stuff. And for me, it's it's a matter of me putting a piece of me onto your body. And this is a really intense exchange of, of ideas and emotions and everything. People have the ideas that, that the, the memories that go into their tattoo. And for me to realize that it takes a lot of energy and for me to put that onto your skin and make it something beautiful and make it something permanent. It's, it's not, something to trifle with you know mm-hmm. but people have this very casual idea of tattoos it's like whatever it's a business but for me it's no a tattoo is not a business like i don't view you as a human being and your skin as a commodity it's like no this is an exchange and this is something that we're we're invested in and so don't fuck around with it and mm-hmm. if you can't handle honesty then you shouldn't be getting this tattoo from me and that's basically what it comes down to yeah that's it, a good approach, man. Yeah. There's a lot of people that they'll just take your money. They don't get don't care about that. No, that's exactly it, yeah. 
It's like, oh hey, uh, someone, someone like at some shithole tattoo parlor in, in in Quito said they would do this tattoo for me for forty dollars, you know. And then I tell them the minimum of my studio is fifty, but even then, like just based on an estimate that I can see based on size and and, and the concept that it would be like sixty at minimum. But even that $20 difference is enough for them to say, oh, okay, never mind then. And then they go to that cheaper place and that person does the tattoo, but they do a shitty job. And then that person comes back for a cover up. You know? You don't. It's like you have to, you have to, you have to be able to understand the weight and the, the price of something permanent on your body. And if you can't put a value on that, then you deserve whatever hack job of a tattoo comes your way. You don't necessarily do whatever people want either. You kind of you always draw it yourself, don't you? I've yeah, I've never done a tattoo. I've never done a design from somebody yeah. else. Yeah, that's I yeah. like that too. I like that. I've only I've only ever done like if it's from somebody else, it's from that exact person that I'm tattooing. Oh. So they're like they're like, "Oh, I did this design myself, and I think you would be able to do that design well." And and for me, that's kind of a nice way. Of, like that's a nice that's a nice like yeah, that's fair. Uh, sort of exchange between between the two because it's like I like your drawing. Your drawing is actually really cool, and you're right. Like it does fit with my style, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna do that for you. Um, as that, uh, as sort of like a respect out of this person for for considering me in that particular case. But if it's something that's not within my style, then I would say no. I, I actually don't think that's something that I can do for you. But beyond that, it's like no. Everything I've done, I've drawn myself, and even then. Unless it's a like a couple or a group of like a pair of friends or a group of friends that wants a matching tattoo, I've never done a tattoo more than once as well. So that every oh, single yeah. person has original. something special and original to carry with them for the rest of their lives, and they don't go somewhere else and they see someone else with the same tattoo, which for me is heartbreaking. Yeah, that would it's be like, awkward. Oh, yeah. oh, that dude has the exact same fucking tattoo as me. It's just, uh, it's like. Mm. I gotta piss one. I gotta piss one last time. I just I finished five sparkling waters since we started. Jesus, man! I have an obsession with uh, drinking sparkling water while doing podcasts. I smash smash them, and then I end up running to the bathroom like every two minutes. As long as you're recycling your cans, and it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. I'm, I'm... Usually, I have to deal with the cans. <laughs> yeah, usually we're set up at Command's house. Usually, usually, I'm work... at my house. You're the cleanup boy.
it's like probably the probably the the ink is is not as sharp as it used to be yeah you know but like the lines could still be could still be quite sharp and everything the details and all that kind of stuff the shading mm -hmm. but usually what happens is just like everything starts to take on a bit more of a faded gray tone um yeah as opposed to like a sharp black but that's just that's just life man yeah you know for me i've, I've never been one to to fall into the idea of wanting to retouch my tattoos you always just let it be yeah just let it be and i kind of have this fascination of how it's going to look when i'm when i'm like 70 80 years old yeah <laughs> and i'm some wrinkly old raisin of a human being and i have a crazy array of tattoos i'm just going to be like are you so covered? excited are you pretty covered or are you you still got space some places i got lots of space man holy yeah. crap i'm hydrated right now <sighs> Yeah, you're good, man. Holy did you, pee, did you pee yellow or is it nice and white? Oh, it's white. And like on, yeah. it was lo like, I don't know, however long I was gone for, it felt like five minutes. I just continuous stream. Oh, man, you're gone like a minute. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's good. It feels good but, to be really um, hydrated. Yeah, man, of course. But come on, to answer your question, it's, um, it's like one arm here that I have a lot of tattoos. I have a few spaces left. It's a sort of mix of, of sort of like color tattoos and black and gray tattoos that I've done myself. Yeah. On this arm, I have a half sleeve in like color Japanese style. Oh. I have some tattoos on my chest, on my stomach, wow. and I have a bunch of tattoos on my legs, but I still have tons and tons of space left. So I'm just gonna like piece it all together over the years in the crazy patchwork of, of mania and just let it be and eventually when i when i become an old man i can just look at all my sagging skin and just be happy about <laughs> everything walk, you know you'll be a walking museum man exactly but for me it's beautiful because it's like yeah no matter how faded the tattoo gets or how wrinkly my skin gets each individual tattoo is tells a story a flash it's yeah it tells a story it's a flashback to a part of my life it, it's representative of a of a time in my in my in my history or people that I've met, particular tattoo artists who are also my friends or or places that I've been. And so at the end of the day, it's beautiful. It's like this is a a lifelong diary of of people I've met and places I've been. You know. Do you do you find that people um, like they judge you? Yeah. When you have tattoos over there. I mean, especially here in uh, especially here in South America, but it's kind of it's changed with the generations. You know, I'll be I'll be walking around if I'm in shorts and t-shirt, like it's pretty striking. Yeah. And some usually older people who are who are part of a more religious generation, yeah. they'll give me like a second glance. You know, mm -hmm. it's like a tall white dude, blonde hair, and he's in South America of all places. Yeah. casually walking around like he lives here you know <laughs> and who the fuck is this guy <laughs> and so they, they usually give me like a double take they're just like what's going on here but the most that i get usually it's not anything like verbal comments but i'll get that like double take like eyes pop kind of kind of look just like a cool feeling kind of thing. Like, I yeah know, i mean i like it it's, I it's, like it's, you, it's, man, but I know I get looks sometimes, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the normal look. I'm yeah. I'm in certain places and, um, yeah. people. It's like you're a black dude in White Island. Yeah, yeah. White <laughs> Island. I get, I get it sometimes too, man, but I actually love it. <laughs> yeah, no, for me, I revel in it. Sometimes, you know? sometimes it kind of rubs me a little bit the wrong way, but 
for the most part, man, like, I embrace it, you know what I mean? People win. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, at the, end, at the end of it, what you can really do is is just embrace the fact that you are who you are, be happy yeah. about that. However that other person's reacting, usually what I do is I'll look them straight in the eye and I'll just give them a big smile and just yeah, like, what's man. up? <laughs> Uh, Neil, Neil knows we have a friend and his name is KZ. He said, like, you kill him with kindness, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no matter how they view you, you just, you just be good. You just be great, be kind and, you know, exactly. smile, man, you know? Yeah. And usually, because cause this is the thing, it's like you, I, I've seen firsthand how perceptions can change, you know? Yeah. It's like my in-laws were a bit more skeptical. Can you imagine? It's like you're a South American parent. And your daughter comes back from Spain after studying yeah. and says, oh, hey, so my tattoo artist Canadian boyfriend is moving to South America. What would be the thought process in your head? Yeah, I'd be like, fuck? white dude with tattoos, fucking skinhead, no doubt. Yeah. Coming to South America to, like, steal my daughter. Oh, man. <laughs> That's true, man. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But just knowing, just knowing me as a person, it's like anybody who who knows me would never think twice about that kind of thing. It's like I'm not I'm not going to South America with any bad intentions or anything. It's like I'm going for for love, you know. Mm-hmm. The most the most pure reason that anyone could could pack up and and ship themselves across the the, the globe. Yeah. Okay, so but how, how how are you able to stay there? Like, are you are you a citizen now or something? So I've been here three and a half years. Um, and I had, so for the first little while, I had a, like a temporary visa. And then I got a, what's called like a professional visa. And that visa allowed me to work here and, and get a driver's license, open a business and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had that until last week uh hmm. but i had to renovate uh i had to renew my visa uh in the last month which this time around it's sort of the same thing it's like a professional visa or like a marriage visa i think but it allows me to be here forever like i don't have any any end limit on on this one so with this one i'm, I'm more or less like as much of a citizen as i can be in this country without without renouncing my British passport and getting an Ecuadorian one. Um, oh, wow. But with all this shit that's going on with coronavirus, I don't know what's happening with my visa. So <laughs> it's approved by all the government offices or, or hey, all those talk, government you, offices. Uh, your, your camera's off now. Yeah, your camera's oh, gone. Sorry, somebody's calling me. Let me just exit this. All right. Um, so yeah, well, like the government offices are closed. So... I don't know. Like, I'm just gonna wait and see. But at least my visa is approved. It's just I can't. I can't actually get it. Well, you are. Uh, you're married, so I mean, you should have like a green card situation. Yeah, that's why it's like the visa that I'm getting now is. is uh, that's right with that, yo. It's all good, man. So the visa Sorry, that I'm man. getting now is a marriage visa. So it's like oh, yeah, through yeah. Natalia, but it it applies to all the same stuff that I have with a professional visa. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. We just gotta wait for all this coronavirus stuff to tide over before before I can actually pick that up. Yeah, yeah. So well, it's like approved within it's approved in the system, but 
you just I don't actually have anything physical. No. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I so. hope your shit. I hope your shit blows over, man. You know, but yeah, we'll see. In the meantime, we gotta be creative. <laughs> exactly. I mean, everything. Everything that I'm I'm doing, it's like. I don't know. It's not so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's all right. It's a better time than any to focus on yourself. I think that's the that's yeah, what it comes yeah. down to. It's like good exercise and good food regimen. Yeah. You know, working on creative projects. You know, for me, it's like I'm drawing, I'm writing, I'm, I'm taking like online classes, exercising here and there. Yeah. Yeah, it's not so bad. No, it's all right. I mean, yeah, it could be bad. it could be worse, man. It could be like a super volcano or like an earthquake or something super. I know, bad. I know. And here in Quito, it's kind of people are stupid. It's like they built, they built a city in the middle of, of like seven volcanoes. So oh, really? Oh, yeah. Interesting. So it's, uh, it's good times. Well, they know? probably didn't know back then, you know, how would they know? <laughs> they didn't know that. Yeah. But like they had to know to some degree because Perhaps. they have certain, they've, they've, they've deified certain volcanoes here. Actually, I went and visited a volcano when I went to Ecuador. That we went on a did tour. You to, did you go to Cotopaxi? I forget, but it was a volcano that was filled with water, and apparently, like the old, uh, yeah, it might have yeah. been in Peru, but all the Inca guys like ditched their gold in there or something, and that's why a lot of people tried to drain out the cavern to find the gold. And apparently, there's tons of gold down there that no one can get to. In Peru. Have you heard of that? Might have been in Peru. Yeah, yeah. I think that's in Peru. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was like yeah, an Inca thing. There, there's like there's lots of stories like that here in Ecuador, but not anything that specific. Okay. So I think that's in Peru. Yeah. But nevertheless, it was but, a volcano in South yeah. America. Yeah. But I mean, here they have so many volcanoes. It's like um, one of the volcanoes that's the biggest in Ecuador, and is actually. So this is something like a a, a certain source of pride for Ecuadorians, but. There's a volcano called Chimborazo, and it's the biggest volcano in Ecuador. Uh-huh. And the the indigenous people deified this volcano as as a god, essentially. And so it's like deified with with they have sort of like an animistic uh, religion where they embody uh, geographical or physical things with spirit. And so this volcano has the spirit of Chimborazo, which is which is a god. And there's another little volcano off to the side called Tumboragua. And that one is is Chimborazo's wife, basically. So whenever one of the volcanoes like starts like spewing ash or something, it's like, oh Chimborazo fucked up, like he cheated on Tumboragua and now she's all pissed off. (laughs) So it's really it's really funny how they have these sort of uh, these sort of old traditions that have passed on to to sort of like joke folk folklore at this point but yeah yeah but chimborazo is in the entire earth in terms of the distance like the thickness of the crust chimborazo is the farthest away on earth that you can be from the center of the earth oh wow so mount everest is technically the highest point on earth yeah but Chimborazo is like the furthest from the core, so people are like Chimborazo is actually actually like the highest point on Earth. But it's yeah, it's, it's based on like the shape of the Earth, and because you guys yeah, are like, yeah, you're right on the equator. The, the crust is never uniform, so it's a bit oblong in places. Yeah, and, yeah. And just based on like the distance between the crust and and the core and everything like that, Chimborazo happens to be the farthest. But 
in terms of the highest point on earth, it's, it's Mount Everest. Interesting. But yeah. Hmm. But anyways, just a little bit of Ecuador trivia for you. What altitude are you at in Quito? Um, right now I'm probably at pretty high like 20 like Quito itself like main Quito proper is like 2800 meters but I'd say I'm around 2400 wow yeah where are we at we're at zero. we're at zero because we're right by the ocean yeah they say that so, the higher the higher up you are the slower that time goes because you're traveling at a faster distance yeah or you're traveling sorry you're traveling at a faster speed based on the uh the radius of the earth spinning so You'll actually Your perception of time is actually like slower. Yeah, so you're aging slower than Kavan and I right now. Oh fuck yeah! Like if you <laughs> if you had a twin and one twin lived by the ocean their whole life and the other twin went and lived up at base camp in Nepal, and by yeah. the time you're both sixty, the one person would have aged sixty years, and then but the one in the mountains would have only really aged maybe fifty or forty years. Wow. Oh man, my brothers are going to look haggard when I'm older. Oh yeah, you'll you'll be looking fresh. <laughs> but also here in terms of in terms of just um general like level of health and like cardiac strength and and lung strength and everything like that, doing exercise here up in the mountains. If I go back to if I go back to Vancouver and stuff like that and do exercise, it'll just be breeze man yeah you'll absorb oxygen better yeah i'll just like yeah. my lungs are probably just huge at this point oh yeah it's healthier to live yeah. up there man yeah it takes oh. years for your body to adjust but once it does you're mm-hmm. you're is more it efficient like, is, it, is it noticeable when you leave there and come here like with the altitude difference um yeah i mean there's there's a few things that happen first of all the the altitude actually actually takes out uh, water, like a certain amount of water content from your body. So up here, I have less water density. And so my, I like usually go down, it's pretty negligible, but I usually go down a bit in weight, but my actual body will be a little bit like thinner. So Hmm. just like a quick aside like i got my wedding ring made in vancouver yeah and when i tried it on there it fit perfectly but now when i come back to quito it's loose oh wow yeah Yeah. (laughs) so when i so when i go when i go back to bc or anywhere that's on on sea level then the body usually bloats a little bit just because of the the water the, the water density yeah wow that's cool so that that's like one thing that'll happen um sometimes like if I really quickly just go from like the, the high altitudes to the low altitudes and I did exercise or something like that, I'd actually get like a bit of an oxygen high. Yeah, well, for sure. I bet you would. Yeah. yeah. So usually like I take it, I just kind of like take it easy the first, the first days and just walk it out. It's the same in the reverse. If I come back here and, and I do exercise, I'll have a, a lack of oxygen and, and I'll get super lightheaded if I overexert myself yeah. too quickly. Um, and then usually, um, just because of the climate here in particular, it's a bit dry. So my nose, I'll notice a difference in terms of my nose. Like I'll have, like it'll be just much more humid in there. Yeah. Oh, I see. And so when I go back to Vancouver, usually my breathing will will be a little bit more smooth. Because up here it's a bit dry, so I have a bit of that like dry, yeah. that dry inhale. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. So essentially, when I go back to BC, I get fatter. Damn, man. Yeah. <laughs> does, it show, does it show on camera? <laughs> camera adds 10 pounds. <laughs> Shit, man. 
Well, we just did uh, over two hours, almost two and a half hours. Really? Damn, man. I uh, I guess we'll wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. I can't even believe that. It's already been two and a half hours. Yeah, dude. Podcast, man. Crazy. Podcasts are sweet. You get to just talk man, and this time makes me flies. Think, like Joe Rogan, he's got it easy. Oh, yeah. He just that's... has great conversations with people. Well, that's yeah. why I wanted to do it, just to get better at conversation. You got to practice. You get, Like any muscle, man, you got to practice your conversation muscle. It's true. Some people are really, really terrible at having conversations. Yeah, you think that just being an adult your whole life, that you will be able to have a conversation? Not necessarily. No. Not, not a good one. Not a good one. No. No. It's like some people are super socially awkward. Some people just, I don't know. They got no rhythm, so they yeah. they don't know how to how to keep it up, you know? Yeah. It's no. like conversation is like a dance. You got to... You gotta like move with the rhythms of the other people that you're talking with. It's that's yeah. why we're doing it. That's why we're doing Someone, it. Someone's out of rhythm, and it's just like, no, I'm, get out of here. Yeah. Well, thanks, thanks for. Uh, the rhythm is what moves you. you know, the, exactly, man. Yeah. The rhythm of the night. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, thanks for doing um, our uh, lo- first lockdown episode. Oh, dude, it's all good, man. I yeah. was happy to have like a a nice conversation with you guys. Okay. I actually have like uh, my first. I would say this is my first proper conversation with Kavan. Yeah, it was, man. Like, yeah, I don't Probably. remember much of the first time I met you, besides Neil sitting there and you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were just head down. If you walked by me, um, I probably wouldn't have recognized you. You know. Yeah, fair I enough. Know, did you? I don't even know if you. Did you have long hair or something? Yeah, yeah. I had my hair like. Oh uh, yeah, I, I had pretty long hair up in a bun at that point. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you cut it all off. Yeah, it's like uh, it's just like this now. Oh, okay, it's normal. Like not normal, yeah. not like it was weird before. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it looks much better now, anyways. So. No, oh, definitely. Right. You're still smooth, man. <laughs> you're still out here. You're aging gracefully up there. Oh, uh, thanks, man. He's aging slowly. Up in, up in the mountains, yeah, just aging slowly. <laughs> aging slowly. With my, with my like my donkey heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, nice job, boys. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, man, it's a pleasure. Yeah, uh, well, thanks, guys. Yeah, man, thank you for coming on, bro. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, my pleasure. Yeah, just let me know if, uh, I mean, who knows how long we're going to be locked up for. So, I don't know. If you ever if you ever need uh, someone to chat with, just hit me up. You got it, buddy. Yeah, and definitely. Okay. I'm always, I'm always full of stories, so. All right, thanks, all man. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you, guys, too. Yeah. All right, man, peace and love, bro. Yeah, love you guys too. Yeah, yeah. Be safe. you guys take care. Stay safe. Yeah, stay safe, Help folks. Elderly people, if you can. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is just like a general message to everyone out there. Just like, don't fuck around with old people. Like, you can help an old person. Just help them out. Yeah, help them out. Help them out by staying yeah. away from them, if anything. Yeah, exactly. That's like the perfect way of helping them out of staying away. Or if you can just do like a grocery dump on their front doorstep or something. Yeah, that's big. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Okay. uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Adrian. Yeah, man. Peace out. Thank you, guys, too. Yeah, man. Yeah. Take care, guys. Much love. Peace. Yeah. Ciao. Peace.